Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 80 with my friend Stephanie. Maybe um, as far as announcements go, there's once again quite little. Um, there are just uh, actually this is the last week to get uh, the Artifice discount for the Room to Sing performer's mask. So if you are a person who sings or acts or speaks, um, you know, works with your voice in any sort of way, um, the, the singer's mask is really, really genuinely helpful for that. So, um, so I specifically reached out to a woman who makes those and got us a discount code so that I could try to serve you in a way that is, um, that is useful. And I know a lot of my listeners are performers. So, um, so if you want the discount on that, um, go ahead and do make sure you do that this week. So it'll last through the end of October. Um, and then also I'm having a sale on, um, all of my, my very own masks, not real masks, but masks, album, merch things. So that's the actual signed CD, the masks muse shirt and my little pin back buttons um and i have those marked down like a really genuinely about as far down as i can mark them and not lose money on them so um so if you want any of that stuff um all you have to do is go to my website um and just go to the store and all the stuff is on sale but if you want to go to the very specific halloween page that i built go to emvocals.com slash halloween hyphen sale emvocals.com slash halloween hyphen sale and you will find um all of those items on sale for the rest of this month as well so, um, I interviewed Stephanie a couple of weeks ago and just, uh, I'm so taken with her. I just think she's incredible and has such a brilliant mind and an open heart. And I love her music and her presence and her whole vibe. Um, if you are not yet familiar with Stephanie, please check her out, go and check out her music on Spotify, um, or wherever you listen to music and, you know, um, in celebration of Halloween, once again, listen to her big hit, the zombie song. Um, yeah, she's just awesome. I don't need to tell you more about our specific conversation cause you're already here and you're going to hear it. And, um, yeah, I just, I really liked talking with her and I know you guys are going to enjoy it as well. But, you know, I do want to read you Stephanie's bio so that up front, you know just a little bit more about her. Stephanie Maybe is an independent singer-songwriter based in Utah. She has had music featured on HBO, MTV, and by Blizzard Entertainment. Her songs have organically reached millions of views and streams, but she gets the most excited when she sees creators reimagining the songs in their own DIY projects. Stephanie's mission in making music is to help others remember ideas that light their hearts up because she knows that taking chances on them can help us create ourselves. And you guys know I love it when a bio tells us this kind of thing about what an artist believes in. And um, for anyone who knows me or has been listening to Artifice for any length of time, you can tell just from hearing Stephanie's bio why I think she's cool and why we have stuff in common and why she's someone that... I want to interview so that you guys can get to know her better and hear her beautiful ideas. So without any further ado, here comes Stephanie. Great art almost feels like magic. 
It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by AM Salt. Back in episode nine, I interviewed private chef Aubrey Nicoli, and I'm so excited to dedicate this month's ad spot to her latest creation. Andrew and I have been using Aubrey's all-purpose season salt for about a month, and we are crazy about it. We put it on everything, eggs at breakfast time, sandwiches, pasta, and our favorite, the homemade pizzas we're making with our new backyard pizza oven. You can even mix it with brown sugar to make an amazing barbecue rub. To welcome this gorgeous salt into your spice cabinet, head to Instagram at am.nicoli.salt. That's am.nicoli.salt. And don't forget to mention Artifice for a discount when you direct message Aubrey to make your purchase. You know what you're doing. Yes, I do. (laughs) I'm comfy with this. Um, Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, I feel like normally when people get braces, it's because of like a cosmetic thing, but I have like a bite issue. Oh, man. So I feel really stupid about it because like I don't want them. I feel you. You know what I mean? Like I like my teeth already. Yeah. So So then it's just like, and I just, I just like wrote, um, in dirt at the beginning of quarantine i wrote like a whole new album that i'm just started cool. recording that's um, so cool thank you so I, yeah i just laid down like scratch vocals and keys um and i don't have to record like vocal vocals yeah. for a little while but i'm not i'm like nervous about it like i yeah. feel like my i feel like i sound like i have stuff in my mouth i don't think so really i genuinely okay, don't I, like, appreciate that yeah. coming from a singer no for reals i don't <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> and I feel like I would probably notice because I feel like I kind of notice the weird parts of things that I are happening. Too. And like, <laughs> like, zo- like I zoom yeah. in on like not not. I have a I have a problem filtering information is what it is. So yeah. like if there's something that's interesting or like yeah if it's just interesting I'll just notice it. Yeah, totally. I don't notice that, so okay. I don't think it's there. <laughs> okay, well if you do notice it at any point, you can be like, okay, it's no. the S's, and then I can know to like practice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and, and the other thing is it doesn't matter too. Like that's I mean. True. Unless, like, know. just listening to the recording in, like, future years, I'm just like, that's not how I say S's. You sure, know what yeah, I mean? Okay, sure. but, but then you can remember that cool chapter where you had to have braces yeah. for your jaw. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I also really think, like, I have, because I've been stressed out about it, and I keep thinking, like, worst case scenario, I think, like, I really probably could just tell the orthodontist, like, I need to take these off and have a retainer for, like, two months. Sure. Well, because how long do you have to have the braces? 16 months. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so but your jaw, that really matters. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I can imagine, like, doesn't your jaw, like, then end up affecting, like, the rest of your, like, skeleton, like, your skeletal structure? Yeah. So it's like my top teeth are angled inward a little oh, bit wow. in the back. Like, I had braces as a kid, and, yeah. like, my the orthodontist just got the front looking pretty and, like, didn't fix my bite. Sounds very American. It really <laughs> does. It really does. <laughs> Anyway, so like when I bite down now, it like pushes, like it pushes my top teeth like outward a little bit, which is causing like gum recession 
and like potentially root damage because they're not Man. meant to like hit at an angle like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's like that's even worse when it's like someone. I know. Only focusing on like negligence. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's just focus on the bits you can see. We just won't worry about later. I <laughs> like, know. I'm so about bad about it. And now like the bits that I can see, I'm like, I feel fine with. So yeah. then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. now I'm 32 and I have braces and I'm a professional singer. Yeah. How often like, are you doing gigs? N- never. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I mean, I mean, it's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in pre-COVID. Normally, like, a couple yeah. times a week. But okay. it's, like, wedding stuff, which I don't care as much about, like, how I'm... I feel like... Yeah. I feel like having braces makes me... It's it's a little harder to perceive me as an artist. <laughs> really? I mean, don't you I think? don't know. No. It's, like, it doesn't, like, no. take away too much mystique. <laughs> no, I think it's dope. I, I don't know. I have a very, like, extreme... I don't know if it's a philosophy yet, but I really just think like our ideas of what an artist should look like are like bogus. Oh my gosh. Like I, and please, also like what's talk art, about it. Like what art is for is bogus. Like our ideas of that. And let's, as far, yeah. Let's I mean, begin now and let's talk about this. Okay, sure. Let's um, talk about it. These are dynamic mics so you can have it like as close as you can't be Perfect. too close to it. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> oh, how many people's mouths have been on this? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I make sure that nobody comes down here more than like once a week. Okay, perfect. So it should be, <laughs> should be pretty safe. Okay, cool. Um, and most people are not comfy with the mic and yeah. they're like, you know. Yeah. So probably only yours. Awesome. <laughs> probably perfect. like the others, the one singer that I interviewed <laughs> like a year and a half ago. Awesome. <laughs> um, yes. Oh my gosh. I couldn't be more like, I have been thinking about this so much lately too. Really? I have, and I could prove it. Like I've been writing with like some college friends about it. Cool. Like, because I mean, I don't need you to prove it. That's just very cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, yeah. like, I'm not just blowing smoke and agreeing. Yeah. With you you like, have receipts. I am <laughs> like, yeah, I am like on one about this lately. Cause I fully agree. Like I think so for the listener, depending on when I have decided to cut into this conversation, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're talking about like how we perceive artists. Do you want to talk about it first? Like, what do you think? What's your soapbox on this topic? Oh, man. I mean, I'm just barely getting to the point where I think I can, like, articulate the very beginnings of what I think about it. Because a couple years ago, I kind of realized that everything that I was doing when it came to music was, like, in the upside down. Mm. So I was sort of, like, only being motivated by like, external things that were showing up. I didn't have the ability mm-hmm. to wake up in a morning and choose. I see. Like, what yeah. am I going to do in a day? And there are, like, a few reasons for that that I understand now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Sorry, what was the original question? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just... You came in here and said this thing that I... I'm not even kidding, so I'll just say, like, last night, Bear, my dog, he got up at 2 a.m. and just, like, was up. So Andrew Amazing. and I got up because we, like... It's a... It was a Friday and yeah, we were just, we came downstairs and just like, we're chatting like between like two and 4am and we were talking about this. Like we'll go upstairs and be like, this is the first thing we talked about. And he'll be like, what? The universe is so weird. Yeah. That but is we were crazy. talking about like the way that people perceive artists and like the types of things that we're like expected to do in order to be taken like seriously as artists and all these weird like performative like it's sometimes I think I think maybe especially for musicians and maybe especially for female musicians maybe sure there's like a certain amount of like you like people maybe won't really listen sometimes to like the art that you are making unless you like look like the art that you're making sure yeah or like unless you're like efficient like um 
what's the word I'm thinking I'm looking for? Like, unless you're like, uh, don't have your shit together enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, can you be an artist who people take seriously as an artist and live in the suburbs of Utah? Can you be an artist who people take seriously as an artist and like be a great mom? Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think it's the thing that I keep coming back to is like, what is art for? Yeah. And, and I think I, cause I went through a period of when, especially with social media where it's like, I got to, I got the opportunity to experiment with some videos. I had access to funding for, for a split second. Cool. Um, and it was cool. And it showed me that I believed in 0% of it <laughs> at the end of the day. But as yeah. far as like that being the priority. Yeah. Um, you mean like that, like the visual, like the, the kind of consumable. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. Cause I, a huge part of what was underlying, what the underlying problem has been for me is my total lack of connection to like an authentic self and understanding mm. what I like, yeah, what I think yeah, and what I like actually believe, yeah, <laughs> you know, just like in a very basic like yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of those things were kind of plugged in for me for such a long time. Mm. Like I got married before I could drive. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. it's kind yeah. of a wonky like timeline. Yeah. But I was making music the whole time, but it's like I was making music in a very specific box and a lot of, you know, growing up, I grew up in the LDS culture and the LDS church. And, um, it's like, I, I knew I didn't want to specifically make like a religious music, but it was also like kind of the only thing that I had access to. Yeah. And, um, and I, and there's a lot of things that growing up in the context of the LDS church that I think I've kind of kept as far as like my beliefs, there's like this idea of like a loving presence, this idea of like being, you know, it's just like, there's more to us than what we experience. And and those are, and, and a lot of, yeah, just a lot of the experiences that I had, I think were, it's not like I had like some big traumatic experience. It's just that so much of my beliefs were plugged in for me mm-hmm. and it's almost like a developmental thing mm-hmm. like for me that I didn't realize was kind of missing mm-hmm. until like my late 20s I guess same same and so exact yeah, same and yeah no I think it's I've seen kind of a lot of people yeah in that um that situation I guess I yeah. mean I'm also kind of a hermit. So like seeing yeah. a lot of people like kind of from a distance, like <laughs> just to be clear, like I'm a hermit too. I yeah. like, I really feel like we might have a lot in common. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, again, I've forgotten the original question. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Tangents so, are a huge problem. For I, me, I, just, I'm really good. I apologize at, like, in advance. I will handle it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will cool. handle it. Yeah. You are an excellent interviewer. Thank you. I'm, I, as I was driving here, cause normally I'm a little nervous, like doing any, yeah. I just told my friend Rebecca like a month ago, I don't think I should ever do interviews <laughs> specifically because yeah. of my ADD. I just was like, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I can't ever stay on track. Well, this, <laughs> and, is, this is a different kind of an interview. But like, yeah, yeah. And driving here, I was like, she's so great at this. Cause oh, I've, thanks. I've heard it and I was, I'm so confident and I'm also, I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> don't, do okay. not. Well, I mean, I feel like everyone that I interview is an artist and there are so many artists that would describe themselves the way that you just did. Yeah, sure. I'm like, I'm, I got it. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so normally I start at the beginning and we just, you just said something that I was like, I don't want to lose this. So let's just yeah. talk about it, but we'll talk about it more, but let's like, like, since you're kind of saying like part of this problem for you is like related to like how you were, how you grew up in this developmental stuff, which like 
I have so many things to say about it. Um, let's go now and like kind of connect some of those dots. So I, I like, I like to start with people, um, by asking like what you were like as a creative child, like what sort of, (laughs) yeah, your whole face just like got shiny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just crippled in any situation by my anxiety. Yeah. So I was terrified of everything. I was uh, scared to order at Taco Bell. Oh my gosh. It's like a memory that stands out to me because I was afraid of getting it wrong. Yeah. I still feel like like that. Yeah. It's weird. Like how do you go to, you don't know what you want at Taco Bell. Now I understand what I would like when I go there, but it took me a really long time. Well, if Andrew, if we're going through a drive-thru and Andrew doesn't know what he wants and I get up there and I like give my whole order and then he's like, um, I'm like, like, yeah, I'm really stressed <laughs> out. Like, yeah, like you're worried about, you know? yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just we- like weird things. Like I was terrified of driving for a really long time. Yeah. I didn't drive till I was 20. I got married when I was 18. And uh, I mean, it was a month before I turned 19. So yeah. I was like, I wasn't late, like, it wasn't late 18. Still very young, still very you young. know, still yeah. very young. But um, yeah, I so I think I had a lot of, when I was in any, any given situation, I could see the way that things could go wrong. Yeah. And there were a lot of them. Yeah. And so I was almost like this little actuary, like walking around, just sort of like taking inventory of like mm-hmm. things that could go wrong and then just being totally paralyzed Yeah, and just frozen. Yeah. And now I think I can see like, well, I had undiagnosed ADD and I just yeah. didn't know how to filter yeah. information and how to you know, I didn't have any systems in place to help me with like things like executive function. And like, so I just felt like overwhelmed all the time. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so that I, I don't really remember being a kid and like for a long time, I couldn't really remember like life before I was like 14. Okay. Cause I was just terrified (laughs) all the time. What do you think? So I was going to ask, like, where, what do you think that comes from? But you, you already told me you, it was just undiagnosed anxiety, but the anxiety isn't f- like, I mean, cause I think when I was a kid, I, I was anxious. I don't think I, I don't have ADD. I think, I mean, I've never been tested, but yeah. that probably means I don't. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if your life is, if your life is working, I don't yeah. think it okay. really matters that much. I mean, my life was not working, yeah. which is how I ended up finding out. <laughs> well, I have really bad anxiety. Like, I, and I, and you know, that has been something that has been like, like when I was in high school, I used to just like faint sometimes. Cause I would Whoa. get like, I would get, I would have a panic attack. That yeah. was like a quiet totally. kind of a panic attack. And I would just like pass out. Yeah. Like that was just like, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still happens to me sometimes. <laughs> like It's pretty rare and I can like see it coming on. And usually I can like calm myself down before I like fully pass out. But like that is when I have a panic attack, like I just pass out. Yeah. <laughs> I just like faint. But um, I had that happen a couple of times after I got divorced when I was yeah. kind of like, didn't, I didn't, wasn't acknowledging how hard everything was. Yeah. 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 And I now looking back, cause there were t- two instances I've only had it happen twice, yeah. but I think it was stress. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, that's crazy. Yeah. It'll happen to me. Like I get, I'll get panicking about something like some yeah. thing that isn't happening, but like yeah. something that like maybe could happen like totally. kind of like Relatable. what you're talking yeah. about yeah <laughs> and um I'll just get so freaked out about it that I just like I just pass out <laughs> yeah well funny <laughs> yeah I mean like as long as you're in a safe situation I guess like it's good well, I think I've told this Have story on like the podcast before but yeah well that, I was dangerous say, like, like I I passed out on the freeway last summer um, no. Yeah. So, but like, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but if not, it's totally worth telling. But I was on my way to a gig 
and I had, I had a gig the next day too. And it was going to be like, it was just one of those weekends where like, if any single thing went wrong, like it would have, there was just a lot that was like really perfectly balanced with oh, these yeah. like wedding gigs. Yeah. You get it. Like, I, and I just had so much anxiety. Like I cannot like get a runny nose tonight. Like I cannot. And I'm driving to the gig and I'm already kind of, I'm just stressed out, you know, like my whole car is full of gear and I was playing at the St. Regis. So like, I don't know if you've played there, but the mm-hmm. load is like really insane. Really? And I was doing it by myself. Like, it's just, I mean, it's just like a physically demanding oh, okay. load in. Like you have to go, they make you go through like the servants quarters, you know, <laughs> like, oh, no. like you have, like you just, you just have to, you just have to go like through two separate elevators and like, this is a place with servants quarters. What it's is this not, place? I've I'm never joking. Heard. I mean, it's okay, a hotel. Like, okay. It's a hotel, but you have, like, where like, is this? Why is this? If they would let you go through the main entrance, it would be a really easy load in, but you have to go like, you know, oh, the, I see. like the so hotels so to on maintain like, a, like the, yeah. the vibe of the hotel. Yeah. They you have to have... go through like all these like back doors. Okay, wild. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm driving to the gig and I was just tired and I had, I got this weird like pain in my side and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even a bad pain. It was just like this little pain, like yeah. a little weird cramp. And I just had this thought, like, what if I have appendicitis and like how oh, stressful yeah. <laughs> would that make this weekend? And I just oh, like felt my vision so going in and I just like pulled over and like oh, and put my car driving. I was driving. I was by myself. No. I was driving. I was on the freeway. I pulled over and like, you know, put my car in park and fully passed out. <laughs> I'm glad that you parked. Like, at least you could sense it. I'm good at that. That's why, oh. like, I, like, I'll sit down. Like, there's no more, like, falling over for me. Like, good. I'm like, I'm passing out now. You know, like, that's good. Okay. I'm relieved to hear that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I pulled over and passed out and then, like, you know, came to and my vision came back and my hearing came back and I was all sweaty. And then I just went Whoa. to the gig. <laughs> amazing and like that and it wasn't appendicitis yeah it was totally fine crazy yeah but i get all this to say i get it yeah yeah so that was kind of the entirety of like what i can remember as far as like my experience i think there were a lot of things in my external that were cool that were happening see part of what's part of what i'm realizing in the last like maybe six months is that I grew up in a household that was very averse to structure okay. because my mom also had undiagnosed ADD and okay. seven children. Oh my gosh. So it was a little gnarly like Crazy. sometimes, but also there was like really magical, wonderful things. Mm-hmm. It's like my mom made a concrete rock that had a slide and it had these what? little footholds. So like my mom's super creative. Amazing. We would have, we had rabbits sometimes and like we had rabbits sometimes it's a weird sentence but like we had rabbits they they, and my parents like built the rabbit hutch they had a trampoline that was like in the ground so things were always just kind of like a little um the trampoline was in the ground so we could go underneath it and play and then also like not fall off and break our arms chaotic wonderland exactly yeah and sometimes like emotional thunderdome so it's like you know it's like a combo of those things just because you have seven children yeah that are like pretty close together in age and yeah. everyone's growing up and and you also like aren't quite sure how to be a human 100 yeah. Yeah. percent. yeah so it's just yeah. it just was there's a lot of just stuff that I go okay I can totally I can see, see why where a lot anxiety. of stuff yeah totally yeah. I had family related anxiety issues as well D- totally different but like 
yeah, that when I asked like, where did your anxiety come from? I was wondering like, was there a context, but some, yeah. some like genetic stuff totally. and some situational stuff. Yeah. And just like understanding now how important like environment is and like how, because if something's not in like my line of sight, it'll be like invisible. Yeah. And so a lot of times, um, so it's just like understanding how to structure yeah. my environment and then being a single mom, yeah. like how to, and especially right now we're doing like the virtual learning stuff. And so I it's like, even imagine I have to externalize all of the executive, like stuff that your brain, if you have a neuronormative brain will do naturally, which is like a neuronormative brain, like gets a sense of reward, like a dopamine hit for doing repetitive tasks. Yeah. And the ADHD brain doesn't. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's, I've heard it recently described as like an interest based nervous system. So basically okay. there's just like some structural issues with dopamine receptors. Okay. And, um, so anyway, so I have to externalize a lot of things and like use post-it notes and make sure that sure, I, you know, yeah, that it's makes just sense. like having an external brain, like yeah. a prosthetic brain in yeah. a lot of ways. Totally. I, I, yeah, that's so interesting. I'm glad that you like have, you're a creative and so you are <laughs> developing creative strategies. Yeah. It's just, it's been necessary to be yeah. honest. Like, I mean, we, my daughter and I were in my parents' basement after my divorce. I, I was living in a little house in Salt Lake for a year. Um, with a roommate and my daughter and my daughter and I were in bunk beds. Aww. And so we were doing that for a year and yeah. I was making money, um, writing like top line for, yeah. for a producer. And then, you know, that, that kind of was a very short term. I didn't have life skills like, yeah. And so I, you we ended up so young. Yeah. And I kind of yeah. just had a, like a map of the world that led me back to my parents' house. Yeah. 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 And it's totally. like, that wasn't intentional. That yeah. was, that was just the nature of like, we, we're always in survival mode as a family. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's perfectly relatable. Like it's, it's perfectly understandable. So it was, so we did that for, um, it was almost five years. And so I kind of just was trying to learn as much as I could about being human. Yeah. And like, I, I was, uh, I, I, there were a lot of opportunities that came up with music, but nothing that ever was like, felt like the thing. Yeah. And a huge part of why we were there for as long as we were was I, again, coming back to this, I didn't have the ability to wake up in a morning and not just react right. to what was going on in my life. Everything right. was a reaction. Right. I didn't, I didn't even understand how to conceptualize, like, how do I get ahead? Like also how, how to think about the future in a yeah. way that was, cause like, not to keep, I've talked about ADD like probably no, it's fine. a thousand times. I have like a really firm belief that like with the, with this podcast and like these interviews, like I want to kind of capture like what are artists thinking about and like, sure. you know, if this is kind of like something you're discovering right now and thinking a lot about right now, yeah. like great. That's important. Cool. So I'll try not to keep talking. Yeah. It's just, it is top. Another thing is like, it's things that are top of mind will usually just be the only thing that I'm, I can recall. I support <laughs> so, it. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, but, yeah. but it's like, um, I've, I lost what I was going to say, so we can just let's keep going. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll come back to it. So, yeah. um, I have one more question. So you don't really remember anything before you were 14, but do like your parents or anybody like tell, do you, do you know anything about what kind of creative stuff like was there evidence that you were extra creative oh yeah and and I can remember stuff now I mean okay. for a long time it was like three or four years ago that a friend wanted to interview me for doing a short film for art school yeah and they were asking me these questions about like so what why did you start making music yeah, and I had like, blankness oh yeah and it was so freaky it was like oh I don't actually 
I can't remember. Now no. I now I understand. Now I do. I've I've been able to like access a lot of that stuff. Good. So yeah. So I did. My parents were always super supportive of us um, taking lessons for things. Like we yeah. didn't really have a ton of money. Yeah. Um, because we had so many people. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. Um, but um, they were always really supportive of us, like trying things with like voice lessons or piano or those kinds of things. Okay. And so I did. I was terrible yeah. at all of it. Like I'm, I, yeah, terrible. Like, um, but do you feel like that was also just like, you couldn't focus 100% yeah. like okay. when it came to reading sheet music, but when it came to learning by ear, yeah. so I would just have to figure out ways to like get around yeah. what I was like supposed to do. Cause I couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. So I would ask the teacher if she could like demonstrate it Yeah. and then I could hear it. Mm. Then I could play it. Yeah. So I, so that's always like music has always kind of felt like a language in a way, Yeah, I think. And especially like when I was younger, so I started writing songs with lyrics when I was 14, which I think is part of the reason why that yeah. was where most of my memory was, yeah. because that was when I felt like I first started having access to like myself Okay, in a very like, kind of like looking through a keyhole yeah, yeah, way, yeah. like a very like kind of a uh, hyper-focused way. Because that was like the first time that I was kind of able to feel something yeah, in a place that was like not totally chaotic. Yeah. And like, do you mean like you mean you could almost like when you were writing, you could like focus on one feeling? 100%. You yeah. yeah. And I could sit with it and, yeah. and like understand it. it. Yeah. And just f and, and really feel it. Yeah. Because like when you're kind of, you know, we were always kind of like on the go and like my mom had like a 15 passenger van and would like shuttle, yeah. you know, people to the various Other, things yeah. and everything was, was just kind of always moving where there would be people like over, mm -hmm. like we, it was just like a lot of people kind of coming and going in our house. So, um, when I sat, it was like my first experience with like something that's a huge part of my life now, which is just like stillness. Yeah. And, um, and like a pretty essential part of like, you know, just finding space. Yeah. And music was the first place that I found that. And so, but and I should also say that it wasn't necessarily my feelings at first either. It was, I was also hyper attuned to like other people's feelings. Yeah. So really what I was doing was sitting with emotion. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily. It was displaced. It was yeah. displaced. And so it was like the first song that I wrote was like for someone that I loved who was like going through a rough time and it was like for them. Yeah. And like from their perspective. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, from their perspective and like, yeah, just it, it took me a really long time to understand like what, what do I feel exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a tricky thing, yeah. but I really did learn. I think it's a good skill to have like empathy in, in a way I like, when it comes to songwriting. I encourage my students to write like that, like write a song that you think is from someone else's perspective. Um, because I, I couldn't agree more. Like it's, it's a really, really valuable skill. And I think it helps you get to know yourself better too. Yeah. Like it can be like, you know, it can kind of like, for example, I feel like I've talked about this also before, but I feel like I didn't experience like anger until I was like in my late twenties. Like it's yeah. just like, that's oh, a very like yeah. Mormon girl thing too. Like sure, yeah. it just like wasn't allowed. And so the only way I could like ever experience that at all was like singing Broadway songs from angry characters. Oh yeah. I you can know? see that. So I could kind of like a little bit touch it, like yeah. a little bit feel it. And I, I do think that sometimes like 
writing from another perspective does like there is going to be like a little thread that's like of your course, perspective. Yes. Well, cause like how much can you really understand yeah. someone's perspective when you're just like observing someone right. and you're not, you know, the only way I'm going to understand someone's perspective is by listening to them. Right. I can't, I mean, there's some level of projection if I think I'm like really embodying someone's perspective, it's just displaced to right. a degree. So it's, yeah. giving you, it's almost like giving you permission to like test out your feelings about that. Exactly. Thing, yeah. But you don't like own them. Yeah. I get that's it. such a good point. Yeah. I love that. I totally get it. And I, I feel the same way. I, I had really similar experiences with that. Like my, my guess is that our kind of childhood like trauma or chaos or whatever is different has different vibes but a lot of the same a lot of similar effects sure that's kind of what it sounds like to me and I think that's pretty universal I mean the more that I look around and even just seeing how people are handling yeah anything right now like I know what you're gonna say because I'm so just like I just think there's like this (laughs) universal I don't know. I don't know how much of it is just like the framework that, that we collectively in this society have been, have like kind of come up in, yeah. um, as far as like consumerism yeah. and, you know, I, but I feel like there's a lot of people who haven't been able to develop and there's not a framework for like processing yes. and moving through old stuff that is like frozen yeah, and stuck inside of us. Like I say this all the time and and I think I think it's the ma- it's the biggest reason why I'm doing this project because I I think creativity whether or not that creativity is in like the arts is like essential for that like just even if yes. like all the creativity that you do is just in your brain like there's never a physical manifestation yeah. of it like you need creative thinking to like develop to be a human you need yeah. it and you, like oh yeah. girl we are yes yeah we're this is what I've been thinking about stuff. for the last yeah. couple of years. And it's funny because for the first year, um, cause we, my daughter and I moved into our, I mean, we're, we're, my sister and her husband are renting a house with us. So we're there in the basement and we're in the okay, cool. top level. And so I say we moved into a house, but we're just like, we're in our own space. Yeah. And, um, uh, two, three years ago, two years ago, what year? it's 2020. It's I can't 2020. say what year yeah. is it, but okay. So two it's years ago, very strange. Yeah. Year. What year is it? Yeah. I can't forget that it's 2020, but what I was <laughs> thinking was what year did I move out? Uh, 20, 2018. Yeah. So, um, so we've been, we've been in this new space for a couple of years and it, it really like kind of opened up a lot of stuff. Cause you mm. know, when you're in the same environment, mm-hmm. it's just natural. It's like, mm-hmm. you, you kind of can't move through some stuff because yeah. you're still kind of dealing with similar dynamics in different ways. Absolutely. And, um, so it's just the, oh, what first came up was like, I didn't want to be doing music at all yeah. because I had burned myself out so hard Yeah. because, and I still haven't really answered your question of like, so growing up, you know how I can give you like a short, a brief timeline. Okay. So it's like growing up, I first started playing piano by ear and pretending I could read sheet music. And I had a very cool piano teacher that let me play two versions of the songs at, um, at recitals. That's awesome. So like the written version and then like your interpreted version. Yes. That's beautiful. And so that was kind of like, that was like a very, I just heard a weird click and I'm like, Oh no, you're good. Um, but, but keep talking. So, oh, yeah. so she, she let me play two versions of the song and 
So I, I kind of like had to play it the way that it was intended. That's awesome. That's and awesome. then I could play like this new interpretation of it. And so that was like, that's just enormously supportive. Right. I, like, I think that's so beautiful. And that's like a I teacher was very lucky. being creative. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I was very lucky in the people that I had in my experience growing up. And, and a lot of that I think has to do with kind of like the situations that I was kind of plopped into by like my mom, who's such a creative person. Yeah. So I think she was always kind of like looking out for like. Yeah, it, who would be creativity was valued in your home, and she yes. was looking for people that were gonna nurture that totally. and not be like taskmastering you. One hundred percent. Because my mom grew up in a very rigid environment, and not knowing, I think, anything, especially about like how her brain was wired, and so yeah. I think it was kind of could have been kind of challenging. So yeah. I think that's where the kind of like you know not wanting the taskmasterness yeah. came from. I love that, but um. And so I had this piano teacher and then I went into voice lessons and okay. I sort of, uh, learned about, you know, singing opera yeah. <laughs> kind of, I took you know, my first lessons were opera lessons too. And again, just like, did not ever really feel very competent. I was like, kind of, I would, I don't know. I was, I, I could do it. And yeah. any situation that I was kind of like put into, I would try to figure out how to do my very best. Yeah. And, um, did okay with that. And it was, it wasn't something that I totally loved. Um, but I had, um, a voice teacher that told me she could send me the, the lyrics, um, to me telepathically if what? I forgot the Italian. So like, that was wild. Like looking back, yeah. like, that's a cool, yeah, that's a <laughs> hilarious and cool experience. Like, yeah, as she was very like, kind of like went to the Peter Brown drum. It yeah. was like really funny. Um, <laughs> Did, but could, could she do it? <laughs> I, I don't you know. I won, your lyrics, so. I, yeah. I won like a competition where it was like a Amazing. community thing. But, uh, I also did have a guy that came up to me and gave me his card and was like, if you need help with your Italian, here's my card. So I don't oh. know if I was getting the lyrics. <laughs> it was so bad. She telepathically sent you confidence. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, that I, sounds I like that was something. Yeah. That goes out to her. But, um, so so it's just, again, like very creative, kind of interesting kind of experiences. Um, and when was that when you were like around the age of 14 too or later? Yes. So that was like around the time when I was um, also first writing music. So okay. I, I then had discovered that I could write music. How, and How did you like have that idea? I, it came from not understanding how to express this like feeling of worry. Yeah. And so... I wow. would practice like playing the piano and singing at the same time, because to me, that was like, mm -hmm. if I can get this, like, and again, like when I'm, when I'm interested in something, I really want to like do a deep dive on like yeah. how, how things too. work. And yeah. so I think I just kind of was first practicing like the muscle memory of playing and singing. And then from that naturally, just kind of like that same thing that like hearing variations on melodies or whatever with piano, it just started happening with melodies. Right. And... So it was kind of like parallel, like I won this, um, opera thing <laughs> competition, I guess that was for a scholarship <laughs> yeah. for this to go to an art school in Berkeley for like a summer camp, oh. which sounds very cool, except that my crippling anxiety yeah. prevented me from going. I, I could really never have done something like that. You know, I look back and I go, if, you know, like I try not to do that where I look back and go, if only, yeah. but I really think if I would have gone I would have had some new totally experience because like pop life. culture was not an experience growing up. Same. We were not, we did not have cable. Yeah. We were too. not allowed to watch the Simpsons. Me too. Like it was, it was, there were upsides to it. I yeah. think as far as like, you have to, you have to know how to be bored and then come up with something. Yeah. Which I don't think we have 
now as much. I think you have to really like cultivate that space. Couldn't agree more with that. There are a lot of downsides, I think, too, Mm -hmm. to like you're Mm -hmm. kind of just you you don't know no idea. Yeah, you have no context for literally anything outside of like how things work in the space that you're in growing up. Same experience. Like I we didn't I wasn't allowed to listen. I remember like you know, I'm 32. So I was 12 in like the, you know, early two thousands. And I remember like wanting like a Mariah Carey CD and like, I wasn't allowed. Oh my gosh. My cousin gave me the Mariah Carey CD. Mariah Carey CD. I think it was butterfly. Yeah. And my cousin was always like, she was my same age, except for she was like, a regular she person cool. yeah, yeah she was just the cool cousin <laughs> that like she one time like we we like oh sorry missy if you ever listen to this but um once like drove her car her like car her parents car b- before she like had her license like around the block and i was horrified yeah. the whole time like just terrified no, we were I, gonna get caught yeah I which we did because she didn't park it exactly the same way so like but yeah, so she was my, like, she was like my, my link to Your like the conduit. regular world. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, there's like, just, you know, that was the only glimpse that I had. Yeah, I totally like, I, I had no, I, I still am feeling it filling in like crazy gaps in my like music knowledge because yeah. I had like, I had a cassette tape of Nutcracker and Swan Lake. Like oh I had that. Gosh, I then it. I had a cassette tape that was Phantom of the Opera. I had Cats. I had Les Mis. And then I had like Celine Dion's "Let's Talk About Love," an In Sync album. Oh my gosh, Celine Dion and In Sync. Yeah. Yes, those were in our house too. But I seriously, I had like fifteen CDs. Yeah, and that was like it. Yeah, and it was like the Eagles live journey live. Oh my gosh, <laughs> our houses were the same. Yeah, <laughs> like as yeah. far as like the leaks to the outside yeah. pop culture world. Yeah, I had no idea they were the same. <laughs> but I think one thing that like really saved me in retrospect. Um, cause I, I also had like, when you were talking about having anxiety about everything, I was just thinking the other day when I was in the eighth grade, I had pneumonia and I was petrified to get up to blow my nose in class. Oh, like the teacher had like a box of tissues on his table, on his desk. And like, I had pneumonia and I had like crazy amounts of snot oh no and, like i remember like just being like i couldn't possibly get up and blow my nose sorry like, i didn't turn my phone oh, on that's silent. fine if you're hearing like these. someone might notice me and someone might like someone might notice me that's the name of the anxiety that i had oh yes <laughs> yeah and imagine like that and then you're like but also i perform like yes, it's the weirdest thing ever but to, i get it but but they, i don't know if it was like this for you but i could like compartmentalize my ability to oh yeah to like perform yeah and just be like well in this in this framework like I know I know what to do and it's like it is like a muscle memory thing Mm -hmm. of like okay I can do this Mm -hmm. um yeah later learning how to bridge the gap between like I want to actually experience like feeling competent in my life as a human and I want to feel present in my life as a human I really did lose kind of like that connection to performing I like, had the same thing. I was like, like a good I performer as a kid. Understanding. Yeah. I was a good performer as a kid, like a giant ham, totally anxious, but a giant ham on stage. Yeah. And then when I was in college, I got really bad stage, like performance anxiety because of exactly that. Like the work that I was doing behind the scenes to like connect my artistry with myself made me like a fully self-conscious performer. Yeah. Um, I was going to say before, I think the thing that that's like kind of saved me and like, got me out of, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, which is as 
conservative as anywhere in Utah and more than plenty of places in Utah. So we, I'm sure we have like, I'm sure there's just a lot of similarities in like the, yeah, but I joined the speech and debate team in high school, which I think if my parents had been aware of how like open-minded that was going to be, they would have not let me do it. Yeah. But I remember just like learning things in speech and debate that like really exploded my worldview. Like, and it was just little things like, you know, we were, we were talking about climate change, but in 2003. Yeah. Um, where like my parents would be like, you can't believe everything, you, you know, totally. And, but I would be like, no, there's like actual, there's like studies, like there's pollution in the ocean and it's causing like the pH, the pH to change and like the reefs yeah. are dying. You know, like I was just, just, just little ideas that like in my like Mesa, Arizona brain was just like, oh, the world is huge. You yeah. Know? That I think were like the beginnings of the seeds that like let me go out of state for college where I was fully out of my depth. Yeah. Which is great. I think like, yeah, I'm really glad it happened, but also it's crazy that oh, it happened. Yeah. Where did you go to the college? Um, I went to the university of North Texas, which is it's Texas, but it's like in this little super, super liberal artsy town. Cool. Um, where like, you know, there's just, everything is vegan like, you know, it's very, it's, it's North Texas, but like it's Austin vibes maybe. Yeah. But like, I love Austin. Yeah. I mean, I loved going to school there, but yeah, I went straight from high school in Mesa, Arizona. I had not had any experience. I had never had any experiences. Yeah. And yeah. That's going to be terrible no matter what. Like, yeah. I'm sure like it's like throwing yourself into the deep end in the real time yeah. is probably really painful in yeah. a lot of ways. Cause I don't was, know. It was awesome, but yeah, I mean, I was a deer in the headlights for yeah. sure. Like I just, I, I've, I remember like walking through campus and just like hearing the conversations that other kids my age were having and just being like, oh, like I have no framework to even like understand yeah, and it's, this. And yeah, and it's such a weird <laughs> thing because it's like, especially now with the internet, it's not hard to educate yourself on something if you really want to, yeah. if you have the desire to learn. Yeah you can find the information on anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, vetting that information for yourself as far as like what is real and not is like yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. But like, but you back, know, back then things back were then. Different. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if you're <laughs> raised in a box, you think the box is the world and yeah. it's like, it's a, it's pretty wild. And I didn't have that experience. So yeah. like, so I did the voice lesson stuff. Didn't go to that, that scholarship, which I think I would have had probably a similar experience yeah. of like, Oh, the world is big. Oh Yeah. Instead, shortly thereafter, I got, well, my family moved, ended up moving to Utah. And Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Northern California Okay. in a town called Vacaville, Okay. which is, and my family here is in Highland, which is like between Salt Lake and Provo and like okay. Vacaville is like the Highland of I'm California. I'm aware of Vacaville because um, I listen to true crime podcasts. Oh yeah. So we have a prison <laughs> and an outlet mall in Vacaville. Um, it's, and so it's like, we've always been in these, like, my family was also in Colorado for a little bit, but. This was after we moved here. So we leave California. I want to say it was like the year after that, but it could have been a couple of years. Okay. I don't really know. Moved here. I graduated high school here. I was a senior in high school when we moved here. Okay. Wow. And then it was like, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, again, didn't drive. Yeah. I was like, I have to move forward. And in my mind, I was like the only way to move forward. Not like, if, not consciously. Yeah. I, I really it. thought that like the only way to move forward in life is like, and, and be good yeah. is I have to get married. Yeah. 
And it's no one was explicitly telling me this. I know. I have no one. I don't look. And my mom also got my mom also got married when she was 18. So a lot of it's just unconscious. Like my mom got married really young, too. I and I say all the time, if someone had tried to marry me when I was younger, I think I would have gotten married younger. (laughs) It's just not what happened. I was terrible, (laughs) terrible. Like it's because I was like, I was like the one Mormon in this like super liberal school. And like, I just didn't date. Like nobody sure. would touch me with like a 10 foot pole. Oh, which had to not be super fun. Yeah. But, like, I'm still, I feel like I'm still like recovering from that and like amazing. what that did to my like sense of my own, like oh, desirability man. in many ways. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I think like it was just, it was circumstantial. Like when I decided to go there for school, I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. No idea. But I also kind of knew that like I wasn't going to survive. Like I think I knew somewhere in my body that I wasn't going to survive if I stayed close or that yeah. things would get really bad. Yeah. And my family was really abusive. So that's maybe one thing that's like it, my family was not like a safe place to be. So I think I really needed to get out mm-hmm. in maybe a, a way that was beyond just like the sheltered problem. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. a sheltered problem and an abuse problem. Um, but yeah, I think like the only reason that I didn't get married super young is because like I just was in a place where oh, it wasn't man. gonna happen. Oh man, <laughs> I feel like really kind of lucky. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's not I mean, like my own choices. You know, it's like yeah, I just nobody wanted to date me. Yeah, but also like that gut <laughs> feeling of like I've got to get out of here. I think that's such a healthy, yeah. normal part of human so development that it. I did not have. I had this like people pleasing on overdrive. Mm. And now what I've come to learn is like a fawn response to oh, yeah. like anything that shows up. Like, I mean, yeah. I did not know how bad it was yeah. until I really started doing the work around it, like the last couple of years, because um, it was making all my choices for me, mm. like in all situations, just going like, how do I be good? And that and how do I like that just kind of was your response to like growing up LDS? Mostly. It was our home environment too yeah, was like, yeah. you know, there's some stuff that's like, I'm still kind of sorting out as far as like what things were, you mm. know, cause mm-hmm. there was, I get it. Yeah. It, it was, I have like narcissism in my parents, sure, yeah. which is like that stuff isn't, it's a trip. Like sure. Yeah. When you, when you say the sentence, like I'm still trying to figure out what it was like, I know what that means. Yeah. I'm like, just, I mean, it could mean any variety of things, totally. but I, I get that feeling. Yeah. And it's like, I love my family, my, my siblings and I, or I feel like we've all gotten to know each other a lot better in the last like five years. Um, and, and I, I have relationships with my parents and it's like, I'm understand, I'm, I'm kind of relearning what those can be now. And like, and and learning that as a sovereign adult has been really like vital because, because, and like learning family systems Mm -hmm. and like those kind of just like, you know, I've just kind of taken this time of like being a single parent to like, how do I become an adult? Yeah. You know, like for real, it's badass though. Like that, all that, like this cycle stops with me kind of stuff. Like even if the cycle is just not developing. Like, yeah. And like, this, yeah. And that's kind of, that's where I'm at with it right now is I think it's just like the survival mode Yeah, and just kind of that can manifest a lot of things that yeah. can affect a lot of people in a yeah. lot of different ways and can be invisible to, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. to other people and especially like, if we're in this totally people pleasing culture it can really look like things totally are fine. yeah yeah so so i i really genuinely the one of the only things that i go yeah that was a huge fork in the road is like not going to that to that that camp exp- yeah, yeah the camp because and i think it would have probably been a really i think i would have been way out of my depth like you were talking about and i yeah. think that was really a necessary 
thing. Instead of that happening, like ripping a bandaid off and then probably having a really painful chapter with like my family and then like, yeah, self, uh, individuating or whatever the word is in individuation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Instead of doing that, like in a, when I was a late teenager, which is when you're supposed to do it. Yeah. It was like a very slow, I'm so slow, painful, I'm so on the same page with you here. underlying hum of like, something is wrong for like years. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel this like in my bones. Like oh. I the, it is the same. Oh, okay. Like well, I mean, we had some different things, but yeah, like just like how you put that, like you're supposed to individuate in your teens. Of you're course. supposed to do it. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Then no one then- knows that you're supposed to. I think in the culture of the, the and I, I'm hesitant to like speak. When I got, I got divorced the same time that I was like kind of stepping away from yeah. the culture and like, so it was like kind of pick one, like yeah. which one are you going to deal with? And yeah. it was like, I just kind of shelved like the really, because again, I do feel like I got some really, yeah some positive things from yeah. the experience. I, I was very you know, I really kind of put off looking at what was the downside of it for yeah. a long time out of survival. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, sorry, keep going. Well, no, I, I'm, I, I want to say what you're saying too, which is like, I also want to be careful to like about how I talk about how religion affected like my development. Cause I don't think it's the same for everybody. Absolutely not. And, and it, it is such a positive thing for a lot of people, but, um, but yeah, when, when that type of a cultural structure is combined with like a certain brand of like family exactly. dysfunction. Yes. It's, when it's supposed it's to really raise, bad. when it's supposed to raise you in a way, when mm-hmm. it's supposed to be responsible for your development, because it's not really yeah. an option in a way that is like maybe like typical or healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you kind of run into this kind yeah. of a thing where it's like. It's the combination it, of the things that just leaves you totally lacking skills. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, the lacking of life skills. And, and, um, it was pretty rough. Like, yeah. but, uh, so I think instead of that just happening like a band aid and then having some like chaos and turmoil and then like figuring it out, it just kind of got delayed and, and like spread out. Yeah. Meanwhile, you are a mom and yeah, yeah totally. So, I, so I had my daughter when I was 23. So I was, I had released a couple of albums when it, after we moved to Utah, so we moved to Utah and it's like my family, because so when we were in California, my parents like had a screen printing business that cool. they started when my dad, who's an industrial insulator, got burned very badly at oh my work. Gosh. So he, my dad was always working. My memories of my dad are like, he's always at work or he would be like, kind of like fried, like just super exhausted, yeah. like homes. He was great work ethic for sure, but almost like just a, a really classic example of just like this industrialized kind mm-hmm. of like society that yeah that we're in um, capitalism just kind of eating him up yeah and like my dad's just like working and working and working and then it's just you know doesn't ever really I don't know that he's ever really had a chance to pause and go like what do I want to create you know it's like that would be such such yeah. a the fact that they made space for that for us as kids in yeah. the ways that they could is like huge to me. Cause yeah. I just think like they were, get it. Yeah. yeah. So they started this business like out of thin air Yeah. <laughs> because my mom was always, she was kind of always doing like businessy kind of, I think my mom's like entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. Yeah. I am terrible <laughs> at the word pronunciation, but, and That's Italian pronunciation word. apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so they did that business. They had some issues with some, um, employees and I don't, I still don't totally know what happened, but then when they ended up moving to Utah, 
there was not a business they had sold their business to a friend. And so my okay. dad was like now working in Hawaii wow. doing the, indo- I don't know. The whole yeah. thing is so I, we never really got, I don't think the memo on like anything that was happening. Oh. So it was kind of like things were just happening again in that, like we're in the 15 passenger, like shuttle van of yeah. our lives. Yeah. And they're figuring out, my parents can figure anything out. They're like, awesome. they're very, um, scrappy and like resourceful yeah. individuals. Um, so you were recording so albums. How did that happen? Now I go like, okay, I can see that my mom was just like, all right, let's, let's get, I think like her, yeah, yeah, I think like her, not in like even a stage mom way, I think in a way of like, my daughter has this, I know, okay, I'm speaking for my mom right now, which is not fair. The way that I see it is like, my mom wanted to keep her kids safe. Yeah. And she believes deeply in the church. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I can respect. Yeah. And, um, I think there's also like some like qu- quickness around like <gasps> need to be safe, you know, like this, like mm-hmm. intense need to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that she wanted to support me in doing music in a context that was safe. Yeah. And for her, that was church music. Yeah. And the fact that there was an industry here for, for songs, I think was the most safe. Yeah. And I told, and I understand that, especially like not having like a neuronormative approach, like ADD people are like three times more likely, I think to like take a risk on something that would Mm. seem kind of like strange to someone else. It's like, you just have like a quicker, you'll move towards something quicker if it seems like the solution, regardless of whether or not it's an idea or a solution. Like you'll, if it feels like a solution, you'll move towards it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, so we we're here. I'm suddenly like, I had been, all I was doing as a teenager was just writing and writing and writing because I was allowed to to just like, yeah, yeah. trying to process. It was interesting to me. Another thing is my mom went with me to like NSAI, wait, NSAI. Yeah. National National Songwriters Association. No, Nashville Songwriters Association International. Okay. So this is another weird thing in the mix is like, I'm learning how to write country songs. Okay. As a teenager. That's cool that your mom took you to that though. It's very cool. Yeah. It's, it's the coolest. Like, this is what I, this is why I say like, my mom is like this magical being of a person. Yeah. She was like, Stephanie writes music. We, yeah. What's the best way it. for her to yeah. learn how to write music? Like That's so cool. And yeah. And there, and so we would go to, and these meetings were f- free as far as I know, or there was maybe like a yearly due, but we would just go. And the cool thing about that is you'd get feedback on your songs. Cool. So I learned from the time I was like 14, this is like backing up to when we were still in California. Okay. Oh, I just remembered. I also took <laughs> lessons from a Lucille Ball impersonator. What? Vocal <laughs> lessons from a Lucille Ball impersonator. I'm so sorry that I don't remember her name. She had avocado green Everything. 1960s cabinetry. Her house, she lived in the 60s. Whoa. She's this like cool, like Mormon so, lady that yeah. impersonated Lucille Ball for, I'm, I'm, That's like wait, Judith Herman. Like- Judith Herman. Yes. Of I, course her name is Judith Herman. Yeah. She was amazing. That's like, reminds me too much of Ethel Merman. It's like very similar. Judith Herman. Yes. Um, I think that these woo woo people that were in your life, that's like really significant. Like, yeah. that's like, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I'm like, uh, what I, what I really wanted to say is like, I feel like the kinds of like me joining the speech and debate team and having this little thing that was like the very beginning of the things that would eventually like allow me to individuate. Yeah. And I feel like maybe having these like really individuated people 
in your life was probably some of that. I think that's why it was kind of a slower burn as far as like, because, because it wasn't me choosing these, these situations. I think it was a missing link as far as me being able to go. I have an idea. Let me move towards it. Yeah. But I do agree that like being put into these very strange, like situations with people who were very comfortable like with yeah, with, with their them, own yeah their weirdness. own ways of yeah. doing things like their own coolness. and I think that's something that my mom picks up on really yeah. easily and I think like given the context of our family situation and like I I just go like I get why she did these she things like these people yeah because my mom yeah because yeah, she's super magical and like mm-hmm. and she, she didn't that I don't think that they either of them had a map that would like internal when I say map I just mean like internal way of doing things plan. like yeah yeah of just that would say like and this is how we all become adults and, and this is how we create this for, I think there's just like in moment to moment, like figuring it out was just the mode. Probably seeing something a little magical in you and being like, let's find magical adults for Stephanie to interact with and learn from. And like, just, yeah. And making the, the room for those experiences, I think was just super invaluable and I'm really grateful for it. And it was, there's this also through line of like, everyone was LDS, which was, safe safe yes and double-edged as far as like not having you know so it's like it is it is just like your your experience is still just like there's this through line which yes Mm -hmm. feels the most safe i'm sure to my mom but um but it was it was just like there was always kind of like an edge around everything that was like you know like a little bit of a there's a fence yeah around everything yeah that um that i think i have a better understanding of now yeah Yeah, it's one thing as an adult to kind of be like, I get why this happened. And also to be like, but what if I was born in like, (laughs) yeah, I was born in in an environment that was maybe just like better suited to me. I think that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think like that's just what I'm working to create now, especially having my daughter and just kind of understanding a little bit more and just like the access to information that I have versus like the access to information that people had in the 90s. Like I don't. I don't pretend that like I have things more figured out than that. I think, I think the access to information is a huge part of it Um, to be able to just kind of like, I just think it's, it's a benefit to like where we are now on the timeline. Yeah. And um, when I look back, I just go, I don't see how things could have played out. It couldn't have been. Yeah. Like how could I I see two people trying to give their kids everything that they can with what they have. Yeah. So how am I going to, you know, it's not something that I feel it varies day to day though. You know, about it, yeah, but, no, you know, I get it. I don't, I get it. I don't feel resentful about it. And I, I have learned how to process negative emotions that I was very disconnected from mm. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were a teen and you lived here, you started like, what, what were you doing with the church music? Were you like doing EFY stuff or like what, what kind of, how so I, we, what happened? So I, cause you were like a prolific by the time when you had three albums by the so time you weird. were like, how, how did it so, happen? I still don't know. <laughs> I just like, again, was like in the metaphorical 15 passenger van, like showing up. Yeah. So I don't, I genuinely don't know where, like, I know that my grandparents had helped with like some studio fees, studio fees yeah. for like this first kind of like album. And that was like, I, mean, I used to perform under the name Stephanie Smith because that was my maiden right. name. Yeah. And so um, the first album that, so when we were in Vacaville still, there was like this um, little 
studio called the sound farm. So I had recorded a couple of songs there. And so I had some experience recording. So then we moved here senior in high school. Um, and there was a place, Oh, I want to say it was an Orem and the guy that owned it was named Tom Jones. Okay. And I don't remember what it was called. And, um, it's like Ryan shoot played the fiddle on it. Okay. I remember that. <laughs> I'm like, I was like 17, I guess at this point or 16 wow. or 17, I guess. Um, and, um, and I just was trying to, I didn't understand, understand like what I liked as yeah. far as like, this is not to say that I wouldn't have liked Ryan Shoup to be on this. It's just, that I was writing yeah. like songs that could have been like for the Dixie chicks right? because I was in this NSAI group because this was the entirety of like my formative experience is like, yeah, yeah, it's what I knew. And I think that it was a really cool experience. Yeah. And I think I kind of had that same, like going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning is like, I didn't feel like an artist. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was trying to understand I could do well if I, in any situation, if I showed up and thought of it as like practice, Yeah. if I thought of it as like an experiment. Okay. And that's how I think I try, I, I was able to like evolve. You were just totally present. Yeah. It was, it was the one place I could do that. Yeah. Because it was the one place that I was like, I think it had that element of like, you're risking kind of like falling, you know, yeah. like metaphorically, like it's, the, it's like uncharted territory. Yeah. It requires you to be present. And I yeah. think that's like. Now there's a lot of research being done about around like flow states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's like an element of that where it's like you're getting feedback, which I think is really important in a flow state is some level of feedback. Yeah. And, you know, there's enough adrenaline totally. that you're like focused. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and just the fact that like, you know, that money is being spent by the minute. Yeah. I think it really makes you like, like yeah, you totally. just got to focus. Yeah. And it's like, I wasn't raised in a house that like thought about money or like valued it in a way that I do think that there was like value value place on like serving people yeah having uh experiences and like but as far as like you're you're gonna do this to make money was never you weren't thinking about that no and I think yeah I think yeah. it's just, just work really forward. hard yeah yeah oh my gosh and so so you did that like how did people how did people who didn't love you respond like the people who didn't already love you, like what kind of feedback were you getting from adults? Oh, so this is great. So, uh, so I, so I don't think this was something that I submitted. My mom was like on forums. Um, and she met this dude named Steven Stewart who lives in Finland and he's really cool. cool. And he's a songwriter as well. And I think he connected her with someone who did music reviews or something. And so okay. she submitted it. Your first for, little album. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of funny because, but I, when I look at it and I just go like, she thought it was interesting. Like yeah. I kind of get it. Like I go oh, like, she I thought it was interesting that. and like, she was no, I love supportive. That. Yeah. I, I, and, and I love that. And it's like, it's for, for a while I was kind of like, man, it I didn't have like that thing where you go like, I'm being, I was kind of fielding things at all times, like of just like, I'm plopped into a situation yeah. I'm feeling it I'm figuring it out you, you know weren't, you weren't contextual it sounds like you weren't contextualizing anything no absolutely yeah. not yeah. <laughs> no that's the entirety of kind of probably really good it's good for right ways. now I'll tell you for like being yeah. in 2020 like it's a benefit to go like I I know a lot of things are like crumbling slash changing slash you know yeah. shifting and at the same time I also know that like what's in front of me is like what's handleable what I can do is like you know to a degree and so yeah. it's it's kind of like a weird 
it's it's a it's a skill it's a skill and yeah, yeah it's a skill but i think I sometimes if you had been contextualizing things back then you wouldn't have been able to do some of that no i would have yeah. i if i would have thought about how weird it was that i was producing or like cre- like putting out music yeah. that people were i don't think i ever thought about people listening to it yeah i never thought of i mean there up until the adults. last couple years i never oh thought of gosh. music as a career wow even but you in totally this, have been doing music as a career that's, that's the only way that i've been doing it but yeah. in such a funny like way that yeah. that it's it's always been practiced to me. I'm so fascinated by So this. it's like the first album has like this Dixie Chicks kind of like positive. I mean, the thing that I've always wanted to do with music is like not even positivity, but just yeah. like things that are true that are universal. Yeah. And I, I that now I understand it to be like that feeling of like kind of like uh like presence or like self that's like our compassionate, curious versions of ourselves. Yeah. Like that thing that, that, that is in every single person, like that connects all of us. And I love writing music that, that kind of lives in that same zone. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so you'll hear like my 15 year old attempt at doing that. There's like my 18 year old attempt at doing that. And then there's like, you know, this, the albums would sound so different from each other on the yeah. one hand, but there's like that through line of like yeah. the perspective. You want to tell true stories that are creative and compassionate. Yeah. Curious and compassionate. Totally. And just like I give people it. the ability to reflect for a minute if they want it. So you are like Utah famous. I don't know. You are. And I know it because I'm not from here. Yeah. And as soon as I moved here, I started hearing people talk about you. Really? That's alarming to me. It is what it is. It's alarming to me because I don't know what that means because oh. my real life has been so The only things that I different. have ever heard about you from other people are like, you've got to talk to Stephanie. Maybe she's so smart. She's so creative. She's so cool. She has a thousand post-its on her <laughs> wall to uh, remind her to pay her bills on time and I'm make sure it. her car doesn't run out of gas. But I think people really see you as like an artist artist. Like I think people oh, see nice. you that way, which yeah, it's great. And it's really, um, I don't know. I think I feel like people don't see me that way, which like you're what you are has nothing necessarily to do with me other than I look up to you <laughs> and oh, I thanks. think you're cool too. So likewise, thank you. Um, but, but I do think like, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this because the way that I think other people see you is like you, they see you kind of magical and they see you like really brave and really cool and really creative. And for hearing you tell, and like maybe you feel like that now, but like hearing you tell it from the back end, it sounds like well, the, the, that's not my, how you felt. That's not how I felt for the good, good majority. So, so going through those three albums that were under the name Stephanie Smith, and then I think maybe all three of those, there were three albums that happened like this where I don't know how they happened. Okay, yeah. And it's like my mom worked things out with Deseret Book to get things distributed, and then I think the money from those went back into the album. But again, it's not something that I really okay. was like doing. So the money, okay. And wait, wait. So were they church albums or just no? Kind of but positive? see, this is like in the early two thousands when like there was like this kind of like Julie Diazvedo is like a good example if you know her. She's yeah. a Julie Hank Smith now. She's okay. like a pretty prominent, like wonderful psychologist. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but she was a singer songwriter okay. that was LDS that was also doing music that was just kind of like just 
uplifting music. Yeah. And there was, I think she did stuff that had like religious messaging, okay. but, but it was kind of like this hybrid That's thing. That's still happening a lot. Like I feel oh, like really? even, even David Archuleta is kind of like that for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's true. Or like um, Madeline Page even. Like, okay, sure. I mean, anyone a lot of it's like kind of. I think that is tipping over because. Oh no, it's me fidgeting with it. Okay, but you're, you're fine. You can Full transparency. As as you I don't even feel okay. like it's tipping over. I'm oh. probably causing that. <laughs> well, it's you go ahead. But yeah, I mean, I think so for the listener, Deseret book is a publishing company that the LDS church owns. Yeah. And they, I, I don't know. Do they still like distribute music? I don't really know do. a lot of what they well, do. Cause I know like, I'm pretty sure Madeline Page's new album is from Deseret book, even though it's not a religious album, it's a pop album. So that's still going on. I think so. Where it's like, this is pop music, but it's like, again, in the theme of like, this is safe to listen to. Like maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for like family friendly pop music, which, yeah, which I think is kind of where those like first three albums lived. And then in 2011. so Utah specific. It's so. It is Utah specific. And it's like, I think understanding that as part of my history has been really, really helpful because I think what happened for me was then you get to like 2011, 2012. I realized that my life was kind of built from this like place of uh, internal automation, like that I had not made a single choice in my life and that, and you know, my marriage was in the process of kind of like coming apart and we were figuring that out. And I had, uh, my daughter was four at that time, three at that time, three turning four. Okay. And, um, so you were in your like late twenties. Yes. Okay. So I, I got divorced when I was 27 okay. and at the same, this was all like in the, in this, like, so somehow between 2010 and 2012, I had written these songs that were kind of more. Is that when you wrote myself. the zombie song? Yes. And okay. like the wake up dreaming album in general. So, okay. and that's your fourth album or fourth, I think, I don't know. It's all kind of blurry. You're I'm so, honest, Emily. This saying you're like prolific and the, like, it's, it's just so interesting to hear you talk about how you kind of just felt like you were like moving through it when like certainly like you can imagine that from the outside, it looks like you're like hustling. Yeah. And on on some level I was like when it came to the songwriting, 100%, like I was, I, I learned, I think like, especially like a level of work work ethic from like seeing my dad Mm -hmm. and the way that my mom works too. It's like very, very work ethic oriented. And And it um, feels good to make stuff. Yeah, it does. feels great. Yeah. And, and I used to really thrive on like writing on assignment. So if someone would give me like an objective, I would like, I love to figure it out. Some of that is just like a great top liner now. Oh, thanks. Don't you think? I I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like once I have like some of the blanks filled in, it's like, um, it's very easy for me to like get into the mode of like whatever it is that the song needs. Yeah. And, um, so in 2010 to 20. 11 I don't know around there is when I started writing these songs that were really felt it's like kind of funny to say that they felt risky because they yeah like in any other context like I know what you mean though like they are yeah so it's like because here's the the reason they feel risky is not because there's some like edgy quality to them it's because it's how I think yeah so I think in metaphor Mm -hmm. I process things in metaphor Mm -hmm. I love I'm I'm like always kind of like thinking of like I don't know the connections between, between things that might not even be real that are like, just sort of like seeing these through lines that seem 
universal not like yeah not like i've got like red thread on my wall and i'm like have a similar art brain like cool because again for the listener i had stephanie come and teach a little class to my students in december which does that feel like five years ago yes because it was not even a full year ago Yeah, that's crazy um and you talked about some of this stuff and when you were talking i just was sitting there just thinking like I gotta talk to her more because I think we like I think we have a I'm very so glad, similar art brain. I'm so glad we're talking about it now because <laughs> yeah. like really like this whole thing with COVID and just like my, my dad caught it right at the beginning oh, of no. uh the whole thing yeah. and he was in the ICU oh and gosh. he lived and is doing well, thankfully. Good. And it brought up a lot of this like mm. I was kind of forced to like process and deal with a lot of things that mm. kind of came up in the process of that. And and it's like even in December, I still kind of felt like I was walking around with like a hole in my chest yeah. because there was some stuff that I just didn't know. I just had these like gaps. Yeah. Yeah, I just had like these gaps in my, in my understanding. And so it's like looking back and being able to say, oh yes, this is the con like contextualizing things and saying, oh, okay, I can contextualize this. And then from here, make new choices or, and keep the parts that are so awesome that are good and not just feel this like overwhelming need to just like burn the entirety of my history. Because yeah, I think like, I think that that's a very natural trauma response, Yeah, you know? And it's like, integration is hard. It's hard. And it's hard. And it's like, it's necessary. Cause I I think, I think trying to do that too. For sure. I think, you know, I think it'll be a long process for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not, I think I, I can see like how being undiagnosed ADD, being raised in a church that's pretty all encompassing and being raised in a house without any structure, like it's kind of an exaggerated version of what I think a lot of people are going through with our relationship to habit forming technology. Mm. Um, the way our psychology is weaponized against us with social media and how we're addicted to things. Yeah that prevent us from creating. And it's like just any sort of like external thing that keeps us disconnected from ourselves, I think is pretty universally human right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And being in this place where we don't know where we're going and like that can be a place where we can create. Yeah. If we can integrate and if we can, yes. (laughs) And I think we need adults like in the world. I think, you know, whereas it's like, I think you can be magical yeah, and you can be an adult. Yes. And it's like, you can be self-actualized. And, and I think maybe a part of that is having like a deep sense of wonder. Yeah. That's like, that's like, I don't oh, think Stephanie. it's this either or of like, you're hitting oh, me I with am, stuff. I'm responsible. And I put on my yeah. hat every day on my way to work and yes. I'm an accountant and accountants are great. This has nothing yeah, to do yeah. with that. No, no, but no. I'm saying like that as like, I think even growing up, like that's how I used to think of, oh, me it's too. like, I'm creative. I have no form. Oh my gosh. And you're, it's like, you're putting words on things that I like, this is so timely right now. Cool. <laughs> but no, I, yes, I feel the exact same way. Like we, I think you're right. Like we see a strong binary between like these magical people that are like totally disorganized and, but magical and make beautiful things. It's not the only problem, but it's definitely a problem. Yeah. And then we see people who are like robotic and totally lacking creativity who are adults yeah. who are like functioning the way that we're like supposed yeah. to. And our- a lot of times, like the higher up you go, the more you see like exploitation as a part of that too. And like, and I think that's also a false dichotomy of like, in order to be successful, I then have to exploit people. Yes. And it's like, I don't think that is a totally it either, but I think that, 
I think that when we are in these like trauma responses, things feel like like black like and white these binaries. Yeah. yeah. And they just feel like an either or it feels yeah. like you have two choices. Mm-hmm. And I think like something that's been super helpful for me is like meditation, um, which I understand a lot of people f- like for, for them, that's prayer. Yeah. And it's like these, anything that can help you understand that like your emotional state, yeah. um, can be, I don't want to say like managed. I still don't have a lot of language around it cause I'm still just practicing it yeah. for myself. But um, I feel like it's creativity, like your emotional state can be like I see creativity as being like the exercise of like seeing multiple pathways. Like totally. I think that's what creativity is. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with your emotions. Like I know that like when I am like managing my own emotional state, it feels very similar to creativity to me. Yeah. Like understanding like what is this what can I do with it like where can this be like productive and I don't mean productive in like a capitalist way but like productive in just like a a human way like yes what can I what can I how can I like let this like sadness or anger or fear or whatever like how can I let it like have room and like to do and be something so that it can like work itself out so yeah. I can do something else. And it's like transformation. It's like yeah. letting it, letting it transform or like be transmuted into yeah. something else. And like, it's kind of funny because the last couple years I, so, so I released the, okay, released the wake up dreaming album. Sorry. I'm slowly like no, no, kind of great. like remembering that yeah. we're, I was trying to give you a timeline and then forgot. It's all good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it so wake, much. Release wake up dreaming, got some really good feedback from like, so I was going to these, uh, Durango songwriters expo. There's like a, basically like a songwriting conference. Cool. And, um, I promise this is related to what you were just saying. I I haven't lost it yet. I might, (laughs) but so I would, I would get feedback on this album that it kind of really took, it was just a lot of, um, it kind of hurt a lot to make, to write Mm -hmm. those songs and to like make them into, you know, because I was getting into this territory that I didn't realize was kind of like off limits. Yeah not intentionally, but just was, it was uncharted territory, which was, what do I actually think? How do I actually think? And if I say that out loud, are people just going to hate it? Like, I don't know, they might. Mm -hmm. And, and I did get really good response from that. And, and I was also like left with like in this kind of like, I'd gotten divorced and was like, had no life skills. And so I just kind of put on my like blinders of like, I'm going to just work and work and work. And I did that for like five years and burn myself out. Can I ask what you were doing? Like, how are you making money during that time? Like what kind of work? It was were you doing? so weird. So okay. like <laughs> it varies. There was like uh, TV and phone placements that would come out of like, like I had a friend who worked for MTV who I knew from being on this thing called the California youth council was like cool. another thing that my mom cool. was like, this looks dope. You should do this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and again, like I just, you know, which was great. That was probably the thing that was the most, um, and I, I was growing up in California, so it's not like I wasn't exposed to other ways of living. It's just that everything kind of was always corralled into like, I get it. yeah. So, so my friend, Ryan Aceto, who was at MTV, he was listening to my music because one of the first places that I played a song for people was at the talent show for this California Youth Council. Okay. And so long story short, so my friend Ryan like took my album with him through college. He then asked me to come showcase for MTV when he was there. And, um, after he was going through like music business school, he was interning at MTV and then he was, um, 
part of the music supervision. Cool. So I got the opportunity to go showcase for them. And that was like a gratis license. So I okay. was, was always just kind of saying yes to stuff. And yeah. then, but the back end on it, one day I got a check for like 14 grand. Wow. And, um, and so these are, they're, you, they're, it's not just your songs, like they're actual recordings. So like, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, this is, this is, this is from the wake up dreaming album. Okay. okay. So yeah. So, so I had getting pulled, placements. Yeah. And then I was writing EFY songs still okay. for a while. And, and for that, the listener, that's like a Mormon summer camp. Yeah. So I would find ways kids. to like, yeah, totally. So I would like, again, that like, and they universally put out a CD every year. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the so part I should say. The yeah. listener's like, I still don't sorry, understand. Yeah. Sorry. I'll just, <laughs> they, yeah. They it's have like of, a theme and a CD every summer. Yeah. And so I was, I was kind of like backing off of that because it, I felt really weird. Like I didn't want to be making money off of the church when I wasn't participating in the church. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was always saying yes to things that would show up. So people people who didn't care, no, because I was pretty open about it. Like people who just didn't care. They, they knew that, that I wasn't trying. I also didn't have like a, I wasn't like talking out, speaking out like in a way that was like negative, negative, which, you know, I just didn't have the bandwidth to process how I felt also. So you were leaving the church like at the same time you got divorced? Yes, totally. Oh, yeah. So it was just, and also not acknowledging how heavy anything was. Yeah. I was leaving the church when my narcissistic mom was dying of brain cancer. So, um, whoa. And I was also 27. So yeah, 27. Like, I've like, heard that's like a thing. Yeah. Um, like everything you're saying of like, I figure I'm started figuring out who I was in my late twenties. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so with yeah. you. I'm so with you on that stuff. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So I, I didn't have, didn't have life skills. <laughs> was saying yes to everything that showed up that felt. So I had two modes. My, my default mode was just totally shut down and walled off because the other mode is just say yes to everything. Yeah. Cause I didn't have exhausted. a way to like, uh, navigate. I didn't know how to say like, what, again, what is it that I want? Period. What is it that I want? Question mark. Or like, what is it that I want to do today yeah. to create, to move towards something? So, so I was just always saying yes to stuff. Yeah. And, um, that was a very inefficient, but also like kind of necessary way for me to, to learn. Yeah. And then ultimately what ended up happening is I ended up just kind of watching myself for patterns and kind of would see, there was like a lot of repetition, um, compulsion towards like relationships that were Mm -hmm. not healthy. Mm -hmm. And like, um, that took me a really long time to understand. And at the same time, it's not something that I would like I was also not really dating because I had my daughter. I was just always in a double bind. I held myself yeah. in continual double bind. So it yeah. was like, yeah, it was just kind of, it's a, it's a tricky thing, but, um, yeah, I was just like watching myself for patterns. And ultimately at the end of like five years of doing that realized, and I was also trying to learn as much as I could about like the human brain and yeah. like neuroplasticity. And it's funny cause like I didn't know I was ADD. So like the way that I went about it. Yeah. Was, was insane, eight, yeah. <laughs> was actually insane. At some points I was like, I was taking ice baths cause I didn't know, I knew something was wrong with me, yeah. like the way that it felt. And that's not to say that I think this is something that is wrong with me. You I just, don't, yeah. I don't believe that about people. I think it's clear the way you mean, but is like, my there deep was a dysfunction. underlying like, feeling yeah. was that something was wrong with me at yeah. the time that I was trying to fix. Um, was taking ice baths. I was like eating the ketogenic diet way. I yeah. was like doing all of these things. That, like just now I look stuff. back and I'm just like, it's like this, that weird biohacking, yeah. like I don't know, weird biohacking. I should take that back immediately. That's very rude. I don't yeah. mean that. I just mean 
the intense focus on like, well, almost like where things have gone to like this transhumanism thing that I don't really know that much about where it's like, we're going to be like bionic people. Like, you know, where I don't, I don't know enough about it. It's just problem solving. Totally. You were were just, you were, I was trying to figure it out again without any context. Like, like I still had no context. So I would just be like, this seems like helpful information. I should go sit in a tub of 20 pounds of ice for 10 minutes or whatever in the morning. And like, that's just kind of an example of how I was doing like everything for a while. And also just trying to learn about just write. I was always just trying to write the best songs possible (laughs) in the middle, in the mix of that. So these are the things that are going on relationships that are not really good for me. Ice baths and other solutions to problems that are not necessarily the right solutions for the right problems, but still were interesting things to learn about. Yeah. And then, um, trying to write the best songs possible. Yeah. So it was about five years of that finally reached like bottom. Yeah. <laughs> like bottomed out. And you're like 32, 30 at the, at the point when I bottom out. Yeah. Let's see. It's three years ago. So I'm 36. So yeah, 33. Okay. So I was 33 and I realized that I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like in general, like I had a car that sat in my parents' driveway for, I want to say it was like nine months past the point that it needed to be registered, but because they had a, there, there were always like extra cars around that like any yeah. of us could use. Yeah. Um, so I would just drive a different car, but like going and taking the car to get registered felt like too heavy and too yeah. big. Yeah. So it's like these things, all of these things that I was doing were like really interesting and terrible distractions from like the thing that was really going on, which yeah. is like, I didn't understand yeah. that I had some problems with like executive function, working memory, and some like developmental trauma, developmental trauma. Yeah. And once I finally, like, I ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I want to say it was like in the spring of 2018 Wow. and got some ADHD coaching, which was like cool life altering. Yeah. It was the first thing that I feel like I chose. Yeah. That was me going, I have this idea for this thing outside of like music yeah. Like just for my life. I was like, that was always so present that it could, yeah, work. I could always yeah. figure that out. That was not, that was the one place that I felt competent. Yeah. But like for me with my life, I was like, this feels like something that is necessary for yeah. me to like be, be present be <laughs> and like period. just have, yeah, yeah, to be an adult <laughs> and yeah. to be in like all, also I should say in the mix of all of these things that sound so chaotic, this is like in the periphery of like me trying to be the very best single mom that I can be. Yeah. Like it's very clear from like, even the little that I've interacted with you, that you are a great mom. Thank you. You take that like really seriously. I take it seriously. I don't know if I can say, um, you know, I'm hesitant to like, I think like being a great mom means trying your best. Like I think that's what that means. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. Um, I think your kids know. Yeah, I think so too. As a person who had a not great mom, I think that's the definition of it. Sure. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think just like seeing her development and growth and yeah. that, so that's really been where my focus has been. Well, it's, this is maybe not totally related, but I just keep thinking about it as we've been talking. Like one thing that I think is really important. And again, when we're talking about creativity and the ways that the lack of creativity in, in adults in our society is causing all kinds of problems or at least is in the mix of what is causing problems. Like some of it is, I think we have a weird thing in our culture where we feel like we're done 
living when we're like 30. Yeah. And then it's like we, we, we live and, mm-hmm. and life is like this action. Yeah. And then it's just like maintenance. Yeah. And, I think that's bogus. Yeah. Like. And, and, and here, like, you know, you're a single mom, you're a mom, which like, I think, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think like sometimes people feel like, well, once I'm a mom, I don't grow anymore. I just help this other person grow. But like, we're so young. Like, yeah, I we, do feel we are so young. <laughs> yeah. When I think of my life in terms of like a lifetime and like the, you know, as long as we don't have, have as long like, as we don't have a climate collapse. And yeah. Or if we, or a swing a in the other direction, we don't become like, uh, artificial intelligence, like, uh, yeah. half robot people robot or whatever. World. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, these are just like, I mean, the theories that are floating around. I know it's really, scary. it's wild times. Yeah, yeah. It's wild times. One could say that it could be, a an example of like the human capacity for creativity though. Yeah, Cause like there's some true. creative, there's some creative there's stuff. stuff. Going on. Yeah. yeah. There are definitely are people being creative. Yes. There are a lot of people being and not at all creative. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I love the idea of like, if we see creativity as a value, we keep developing and we keep changing. And then the mistakes we make aren't as scary because we just fix them. You know, we just, Keep yeah, of course, correct. Yes. And I was in the middle of all of this, which now like I can look back and go, that was chaos. Yeah. I was continu- also continually course correcting and like doing like autopsies on my experiences. I just mm-hmm. didn't have a way to string them together in a way that was like helpful as far as like in the context of like zooming out yeah, and looking at things. Cause with ADD again, it's either now or it's not now yeah. and not now feels like all the same. Yeah, it's okay. like future past, whatever. It's just not now. So it doesn't feel like okay. the moment yeah. that's right in front of me. And when did you release, um, sorry, were you in no, the go ahead. sentence? When did I taste fire come out? That right? So that was in 2016. And okay. that was, that was another experience that was super, super important because that was when I had, uh, the opportunity to make a couple of videos okay. and even that EP was, um, funded and it was, um, how, wh- who, who funded it? This was a person who runs a company called Instructure, which is, they do, um, canvas like, oh, okay. so this is Josh Coates and he's a really, uh, it was, he's hands down pro- probably like one of the most interesting people that I've cool. ever met. And, um, he like restored a, like a tank and was like doing battle bots. And okay. it was cool. the first time that it, honestly, that experience of just being able, even aside from like the being able to do the project. Cause like what had happened was I, uh, said yes to writing a jingle for their comp, like their employee, like party that they it, did. Yeah. And it was like, I wish I had it. I wish I could send it to you. Cause it okay. was basically like supposed to be like the Lego song from the Lego movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll see probably, if I can find it. Probably exists it. somewhere. And, um, and it was supposed to just be like the everything is awesome song, but for canvas and it was like student centered learning. And, yeah. um, so I said yes to that, played at their, uh, employee conference. And he was like, I want to help you. And, mm-hmm. but I was, I, what I didn't know at the time was that I did not know how to say what I wanted. Yeah. I did not know how to even conceptualize that. Yeah. So go, being able to have conversations with someone who was living in a way that was just different than I had experienced taught me a lot and also shown the spotlight on 
kind of what was wrong in a way that was real devastating, like for a while. And it wasn't anything that it wasn't my experience working with him was really, really great. It was that I could see how ill-equipped I was. Yeah. I to knew, like I move forward that's what you meant yeah like, yeah it's it just yeah like you said it shined it shone a light on just like oh i have there are things yep because in every yeah. situation i would again f- in fielding things i would try to show up and do my very best yeah and but that can only no without having a vision a context, like yeah. yeah and i think like where creativity comes in for as far as like a human skill like your ability to envision what your life yeah um can look like yeah and how to see you branches fit. to see like different yes, possibilities and like how you connect in the world and yeah. like understanding that we are each a facet of like this bigger thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I kind of, kind of missing 100% totally yeah. missing. I was in serve. I was like running in front of a crumbling bridge at all times. Yeah. And I finally reached the point where I was like, I, I don't even know what's wrong. And I keep trying to fix this thing that I don't know what is wrong. And it was like, then it was like a long pause and then stuff kind of started coming to the surface and I started like really blanking out when I would play shows Mm. and it was rough. Like it was really rough. Where were you playing? Like, like I'm curious, I'm curious about like, how were you, how were you like maintaining fans like through this? No, I absolutely am the worst at that. Like how, how, how how were you playing shows? Like I would just say yes to things as they showed up. (laughs) I know this sounds crazy, but like, and people would just be there because they love you. No, I have a terrible draw, like for live shows. Okay. Yeah. Like, and I'm That's fine though. Like Corey, Corey at Valor yeah. is really awesome. And he will invite me to like play on okay. showcases with like the Valor, like lineups that he does. Yeah. So okay, Corey so knows that really... I have a terrible draw. Like, it's not something that I've had. It's not something that I've. Okay. So I wasn't honest with myself or other people about how little energy I had to put into that side of music. I I could show up and say yes to something and try to do my very best and like try to hit the targets for like different things. But as far as like thinking about it's, it comes down to connection. Like I didn't know how to connect with people. And so how, how am I going to cultivate a fan base if I don't know what it is that I are? Yeah. I can give them like, I mean, genuinely like, (laughs) yeah, that's where in, so I'm struggling with that a little bit. And right it, now in 2016 and in 2017, I kind of was beginning to be faced. Well, in 2016, I was beginning to be faced with this idea or like with the realization that like, I don't know how to, um, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I think. Yeah. And, um, I, I know that that's in, I know that I could see like the echoes of it in like the things that I would create there was like this underlying message in a lot of my songs of like, everyone has purpose. Everyone can create something. Like there's a song, wake up dreaming. That's about like an artist that works at office max. And yeah. it's like, it's like at my house, you play oh, that yeah. at our little concert. I loved yeah. it. And it's like, it's always been in the music. Yeah. And then I would go into my real life and I would be this like paralyzed person. Yeah. And it's like, was this weird duality that's like been my experience for a really long time. And I knew that I had to bridge the gap and I didn't, I didn't have any framework for that. I didn't, there's not, there's not, not now I feel like there's some cool tools that, and there probably were even in 2016, of course, but my access to them to like, I think you're only going to look for the information that you're like, know that it exists. Yeah. You have to like, 
you're matched for like whatever you want when you walk into a room like you're matched for whatever you're matched for as far as like the information and the experiences yes based on whatever's in your nervous system and and in your body and like you know yeah um and so so it I just kind of fell on my face like quietly yeah and that's that's something that like because I was trying to do the social media thing yeah um I remember like because because I like someone, cause I moved here in 2012. That's when I moved to Utah oh, okay. or late 2012. And I mean, yeah, I mean my, one of the very first things I did when I moved here, cause I, I'm not from here either. I didn't go to school here. I didn't know anybody. So I moved here very lonely mm-hmm. a, as a musician in this field where like you really need people. <laughs> like you sure. Really need yeah, peers. of course. And so, you know, I tried to like follow and or friend request, like, any other people who were making music in any sort of the way that I wanted to make music. So I think I've been like aware of you. Like we didn't talk so until earlier yeah, this year. 2012 would have been like the, like when I would have been trying on and off. Like, so, so if, if you followed any of it, I remember seeing, there would be stints of me being yeah. like real, like, yeah, gung ho. Like, yeah, I'm going to try this. I remember when <laughs> I taste fire came out, like I was seeing stuff for it a lot. Yeah. And yeah. that, that was when I had the opportunity to go, okay, so we can try PR. And then I saw, I learned that like, it's kind of like, I was really naive, I think for a lot of my life about how things just in the world, just in general work, even with like playlisting and things yeah. like how many, I really thought for, for the most, you know, most of my life and operated the most of my life as if like, if I get the music, if the music is what it is and is what it's supposed to be, it will find the people. Yeah. And then I went it's through a chapter of like depressing kind of learning reality check. Well, but girl, I have a story for you. Okay, so I'm then, ready. so I go through this, this like, okay, we're trying PR and I just kind of had these, these gut feelings like the whole time of like, I think I can feel that this is not the way that it's supposed to work. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't articulate yeah. What I thought was going to work. I just, yeah. I knew that I had to try. Yeah. I knew that it was a very low stakes situation, which I was very grateful for. It was, you know, I was, you know, tr- trying my very hardest <laughs> to yeah. learn as I went. Yeah. And, um, kind of just quickly saw that like the thing that was missing from it was like the beating heart of like a purpose. Yeah. That, that this thing that I can find so easily when I'm like writing songs and that I can see in other people. I mean, this is another thing is like, I felt like I could see so easily in other people, like their most beautiful, most expressed and most true self. And, and to this day, I'm like, I still believe that. Like, even though it was in like these kind of toxic situations, I'm like, I think that that person is probably a real person as far as like, you yeah. know, like you mean you're talking about like famous people. No, I'm just meaning like in my relationship. So even if I was in like a, a dynamic that was like unhealthy or was bad for me, it's like, I, I think that there was, I think it was like a warped version of like what I'm now discovering is like what I believe is the purpose of my music, which is to help people find that in themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing is codependency. Like the other thing is like enmeshment, codependency, it's being cut off from yourself. It's self-abandonment. It's like this really kind of like untrue version it's so hard of it yeah, yeah. It's, like, it, it's terrible <laughs> yeah i just mean like the it being like how do you figure out 
Like we want authenticity. I, this is something I get on one about in this podcast a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love, we want authenticity, but like, I think there are plenty of times where like we're trying to be authentic and just don't quite know. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we don't and know. Or we it don't changes know. all the time. I think what we don't know is what we're up against. Yeah. Societally, technology wise. So in the process of like this album, uh, I still taste fire. I'm so sorry if you have to like edit this cause I'm so rambly no, and like all it. over the place. I love it. Um, the, um, in the process of the, I, I still taste fire EP. I'm trying to learn on the fly. Like how does marketing work? Yeah. And I start learning about me being ADD and needing to go to the very bottom of everything that is interesting. Yeah. I'm like learning about habit forming technology Yeah. and I'm horrified. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I like, I used to be almost overly confident and like, yeah, I know how things were in like a really obnoxious way. Like sometimes that's like mm -hmm. how I would overcompensate mm -hmm. is like, I would feel like, yeah, I could do anything and then like fall on my face and then just be like, well, that wasn't it. Yeah. But, um, really understanding that like the way things were being built is like, I think the book used, um, there's a book I think called habit forming technology. I yeah. don't remember the author's name, but it talked about the Q-tip and it talked about how the Q-tip is a habit forming product because it causes a little bit of damage that itches in your <gasps> ear. And so you have to use the Q-tip again. And even the fact that that was the example was eye opening to me. Cause I was like, okay, so if this is the information that is out there, that it's like, we basically like, we're all learning how to manipulate each other yeah. to try and win some big artificial game. <clears throat> it's just not, it's not something that like makes sense to me personally. Yeah. I think because of how the way, because of the way that I was raised yeah. and you know, <laughs> just the way that I see the world is just not, that's never been something that where I think like some families, it's like, you're supposed to be successful in this very specific way. And like my family was like the opposite my of family that is like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of families are, and that was, I think that's been a link that's kind of been missing from my understanding of like how things work. Cause I just, again, would like roll into situations with no context mm -hmm. and, um, and now kind of looking at like, okay, so we have like a bunch of things built on this, like, you know, we're all on some level, like manipulating each other or yeah. you mean like on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. On Facebook. I think it's like gotten to the point because of social media where we're all doing, we're all, everyone's like their own PR. Yes. It's and really hard. It's really exhausting. It's exhausting I, and it's noisy. And to me, I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that I can say what someone else needs to do, but for me, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you, uh, I, I'm not going to forget what oh. I want to say. So like, so I had this book that was, I had this book that was like about brand identity because I just thought like, I thought that what I needed to do was like understand my brand, which is such an upside down version of like, I don't know who I am as a person, mm -hmm. but it's so like telling for like where, like what yeah. we're dealing with here yeah. that it's like, that really became more the, the focus than like my own like understanding of myself as a person Yeah, because it's just more visible. It's the conversation everyone's having is like, yeah. how, how do we, What's your, what are your colors? What's yeah, your brand how do voice? You, What's your font? Yeah, exactly. And then I realized there was also like story branding. Another thing that I was reading that was like using the hero's journey as like a way to solve someone's problem through marketing. And, you know, you, you there's like this like double edged thing of like, yes, we want to solve problems. And then I also think we're inventing a lot of problems to solve so mm -hmm. that we can win the invisible game. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's wacky. 
and and we have like 40 kinds of Oreos. Yeah. And I just go like, I think there are other problems that we could be looking at. Yeah. No offense to Nabisco, but like <laughs> I give offense to Nabisco. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. We can offend yeah. Nabisco. That's yeah. fine. They For can sure. handle it. Yeah. They can handle it. Um, so, so yeah. So it's just like, and then I would, so I would, I was like, I don't know that I went through a mental breakdown. But I for sure went through like a collapse of like the way that I was able to operate in the world, which was just fielding everything and trying to do my very best. Yeah, yeah. I realized that like I had reached the absolute, absolute limit of how far that could take me in, in my life. Yeah. And, um, I, I just remember looking at like the Oreos aisle and just being like, or like the section of the cookies aisle that was like the Oreos and just being like, how many people worked on this? Yes. And and just thinking like, okay, I don't totally understand what it is that I'm feeling at this point. Cause yeah. again, that's kind of where I started walking around with a hole in my chest. This was like yeah. 2016, 2017, 2018 is when it started to kind of like shift. Yeah. And, um, I just started letting go of like everything I started yeah. saying, I started, I had to start paying attention to like, why am I saying yes to things? And like, what do I think this is going to do? And also like looking at things through the lens of like executive function and like, mm. and working memory and like building systems and like how do I actually affect an outcome in my day? Because I remember having a conversation with my friend, Mark, and he was talking about how his family like plans for like their five-year plan. And I was just like, what is what? that? Yeah. And I was, I was genuinely yeah. like, how do you do that? Like, I, I have no concept of that. Yeah. That's, that's foreign to me, like completely. So, so I just kind of slowed way, way down. And then people started listening to my music on Spotify and, mm. and on YouTube. And I had let go at this point completely. I was like, I can't ever figure this out. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm defeated. I'm useless was the way that it felt too. It was just like, I am like, I am treating myself like a throwaway person in my personal life. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't have the skills that I need still. And I keep thinking that I'm going to get them in these like backwards ways. And then it was like the zombie song became like an animation meme. Yeah. And all of these kids like started making these animation memes and they were all like kind of just taking the song and making it their own thing. And I'm like watching this happen. And at the same time, there's a guy who wanted to do a video game around the zombie song. Cool. And I'm, so I'm starting to see that like people are wanting to make things from the things that I'm making. And that's really what I want to do is I want I want to make things that help people want to make things. Yeah. But I'm just now getting to the place where I understand the deeper meaning of that for myself. Yeah. And kind of like what you're talking about with like, what does that mean for humans? Yeah. And like, how can that help us where we are now? And, and it's, it has so little to do with success. Like, I mean, the last couple of years I've been very fortunate that I've been able to like, become curious about what it is that I think that I've been taking care of plants pretty much for like, I mean like all of 2018 and most of 2019, that was like my focus was like learning about plants. Cool. And, and I, and I was able to write, start writing music again. And a lot of it's, um, around these themes of like autonomy. Yeah. And, and I'm just, I'm curious to see where it'll go. Yeah. I'm also producing now, which has been such a great tool for like overcoming like Cause I was, what I didn't understand was like, I was experiencing emotional flashbacks anytime that I would go to like make something that was like 
beyond the pale of what I had done before. Yeah. And so I would feel like these crippling like anxiety attacks. I'm sorry if I've used the word crippling like a thousand times, by the way. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, (laughs) Paralyzing. I don't know. Just like, just like freeze, just like things that would make me feel frozen. Yeah. And, um, that became less and less and less as I would just practice more and more and more and like started just like kind of messing around with production ideas on the iPad and then moving through different DAWs and just the, the main theme of the last couple of years has been like curiosity and like compassion and openness and consistency yeah. and developmentally growing myself up yeah. in a way that That's like awesome. feels sustainable. So you're, you're writing stuff right now that is not released. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have like, do you want to say anything about like, when it when we might oh see it oh my gosh yeah I mean I want to do it soon I feel like now is the time to like with yeah. I used to have such a sense of urgency around releasing everything yeah and now I'm I'm ready to like I'm feeling ready to like re-engage with like okay I'm giving myself timelines yeah and like thinking about how it'll go this is the long answer the long way of saying maybe January okay. I don't know cool. <laughs> I would say early 2021 cool um yeah but awesome. for right now just just I'm getting so some skills excited for that. Like Thank genuinely, you. like, Thank especially you. like knowing, like hearing some context, like I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I want to ask you. I think we've talked about all of the things that I love. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to ask about glorious cause that's a huge oh, yeah. thing. So when did you do that? Yeah. So glorious, I wrote in that, uh, wake up dreaming period of like the album wake up dreaming, which, uh, was like 2011. I think that I wrote it or 2010. Um, and it was, it was as I was kind of beginning to navigate like my divorce and just feeling really, really cut off from now, I think understanding like what it means to like leave a community and like what it means to go in a different direction than like how you were raised and like, you know, and, and, (laughs) yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, you know being in just like this, you know, and a relationship ending that's like you're mourning like a life. Yeah. And and it's like you not wanting to yeah, just not wanting to like hurt anyone but having it be like this really painful yeah thing. Um and glorious came out of me sitting down at the keyboard and just wanting to understand how I felt. Yeah. And it was like it's this such a beautiful song. Oh, thank you. It was just like it felt to me like it was one of the songs that I wrote probably the fastest out of, cause I'm typically a very slow writer. Um, and it just kind of felt like a window into what I'm now yeah. understanding is like purpose. Yeah. And it, it was kind of like what I, it is to this day, like what I think the point is, Yeah. which is we are all facets of this one thing mm-hmm. and we can, we can connect with each other especially when we're kind of like when we're in our purpose as people. Yeah. We sync up in ways that yeah. I think are bigger than us. Yeah. And I don't think that there's this, I, I think it's the opposite of like this invisible game yeah. that is like, or this artificial game that everyone's yeah. trying to win. I think it's like more like, <laughs> this is so cheesy, but like taking care of plants has taught me a lot about just like the unfolding of things. I don't think that's cheesy like at all. And just like the different conditions that different plants need and different yeah. environmentals. It teaches like, needs you to and, think about people like that. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. And like I'm, how I'm, yeah. we're all just like different, but the same. Yeah. And um, 
I think a lot of people haven't gotten some basic needs met Mm -hmm. their whole lives. Yeah. And, um, because of this veneer that's like placed on top of everything where it's like, it's, it's like, wait, is it okay if I talk about your braces? Yes, please. It's like when you were talking about the guy who originally (laughs) did your braces, who was only Mm -hmm. focusing on the teeth that people could see. Yeah. And how that's caused you problems. Yeah. And now it's like problems that are real, that are like hurting your body and that are, that are like affecting you. Not in the, I mean, I think like having braces, you look adorable with braces. I don't think the cosmetic (laughs) side of it is like, but the fact that like someone would put the cosmetic over real structural issues, I think that's just like a metaphor for a lot of stuff and how much that can cover up. And I think like, there's a lot of ways that like the way that things have worked in the past feed and and elevate like a false self yeah and also reward the false self do you know that the album that i just put out in may is called masks yes i did <laughs> i did know that yes well and I'm, even I'm, here, no i don't like, need to tell you about well, it but even no but please but go I'm on thinking about this stuff too yeah no that's of all, course that's yeah that's no and thing. that's the whole thing is probably, just like we're in the same like that's I why like, I felt so confident on my way over here is like, you are such a great interviewer. And I think I could feel, especially like in the word artifice, like understanding like yeah. why, you, I mean, I had listened to a couple of the episodes and was yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. 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 It's the same. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's everywhere as far as like, yeah. And people, need. people sometimes get freaked out about the title because they think it like means I'm trying to talk about like how we hide things or how we're deceptive. And that's not at all what I mean. Yeah. Um, but more so just that like we're complicated. I think we're like there's artifice in ourselves that we don't know about. And then it's I think, rewarded. Yeah. It's rewarded openly well, in our I society. Like even like, there are, could be things that really are like our true purpose that like get wrapped up in it. Like, cause you know, part of your like purpose is like telling these stories through song, but it's all wrapped. Like it, there have been times in your life where it's been all wrapped up in these stuff that aren't purpose and yeah. you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it's, it's like teasing apart. Like, well, and then like, I think sometimes about like some of my trauma responses, um, have given me certain types of coping mechanisms that, like are productive and, and are now like kind of part of who I am Yeah, and like learning how to divorce, like the, the, the fear that like made me build those skills, um, and keep the parts of those skills that like, totally I can really integrate into my being. Yeah. Are you familiar with internal family systems? Uh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. That for me has been pretty life altering because, yeah. um, Cause I think I used to kind of like go, Oh, like try to like, Oh, I'm going to, or even like this very violent, like I'm going to kill that part of myself to yeah. move forward. Like this, like, I think I'm being such a, like such a strong person and yeah. really I'm just disassociating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm just checked out and yeah. like trying to, to just cover up yeah. and, and abandon and like exile these feelings yeah. and, um, really learning that integration and like practicing yeah. it. And it's scary at it's first. Totally scary. And I then you realize yeah. like, but a huge part of it that's really important that I think has been really helpful is like Richard Schwartz, who is, I, I believe like the guy who started in or founded like internal family systems, okay. I believe yeah. he talks about how there's like nothing to fear yeah. when you're, when you're doing the work. And if you can get into the space of like, so he, he frames things as like, there's like, 
as he was working with patients, he under, he saw this like through line of this, like feeling of people would say is like really themselves. Yeah. They would be like, Oh, that's myself. Like when they would be compassionate and curious Mm -hmm. and open and Mm -hmm. like, and then these other things would be, they would identify them as parts of themselves. Mm. And so he, the, the way that he frames it is like, um, there are parts of ourselves that are like you were saying, like that will show up to like protect us or yeah. to like get us through something yeah. or to help us survive or to, to like manage something or to yeah. put out a fire and, um, in our lives. And it's like, those are, those are protecting like these other parts of ourselves that are like exiles. Yeah. And that when you're inside, if you can get into the space of like this self, which is compassionate and curious and, and loving yeah, that it there's nothing that can hurt you yeah. when you're doing this work. Yeah. Like and even and if there's pain, it's like pain, you see it in a different way. Yeah. And just yeah. the way that we've been taught to like that, like avoiding pain equals yeah. success or like, or like, and I don't mean like, I mean, I think there's like a lot of like grind and like hustle culture and like yeah. that kind of thing that will be like, uh, it's not that, but I think as far as like consumerism goes, yeah. I think it's like, Hey, well, let's solve your problem by this. Yeah. And I think that naturally is a way of avoiding Sometimes maybe some pain that, that we need to, to learn how to, how to process. Yes. Just to be, just to transform and to become who we are and to be, to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to think of like how, like there's so many things that you're saying that are just like making me think like, but I'm not quite like prepared to articulate perfectly, but. Oh, listen, you're fine. I feel like that literally every day of my life. (laughs) But like you know, all this stuff of like your personal brand, like I feel real torn about this kind of stuff because I think, you know, I also feel like I want to tell stories. I want to talk. I want to tell truths. I want to like talk about what it means to be human in the hopes that like someone will hear something that I write and see like it helps them solve something or totally, you know, whatever. And I want those things to be able to get to people. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm all for like trying to package those things in a way totally. that like, yeah, that's the thing that's wild is them. like, I used to be so like fascinated with people who could, who are really like skillful, skillful marketers. Yeah. Cause it feels really seamless. Yeah. yeah. And it is like, it is a skill. And I think in a lot of ways, like it's a talent. I just think that that it's been weaponized, I think against us. (laughs) What I was going to say is like, I am, I really try to be mindful about that stuff. And I've been told I've been taking these like digital marketing classes and I've gotten some feedback that like my, my branding is confusing, like Mm -hmm. that I jump around too much, but that I'm just like, well, (laughs) yeah, that's what it is though. Yeah. I'm trying so hard to like be, like I'm a little messy. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a little messy. And so like, cause I feel the same as you, like when you're talking about plants, like I am so bad with plants, but <laughs> I feel like that with other things, like the, like when I get into like cooking, like that is very connected to my songwriting. Oh yeah. Like, it's very connected. Yeah. Or if I'm like working it's expression. on, yes. And it's, and it's also like, I'm learning about things. Like, I don't know that I could articulate like what exactly it is, but like I'm working stuff out that is totally not compartmentalizable. Like yeah. it is all part of the same thing. So when I'm thinking like, well, what is my brand? Like what, you know, I'm supposed to be talking about the music. Like, I don't know how to talk about the music without talking about like 
that other stuff. Yeah. And so I don't know what my point is other than like, it's just, it's just hard and weird and, it is hard and, and also weird. cool. And it also, is cool. yeah. Yeah. It's all of it. I, I think like more and more, I don't know. I can't make any predictions about where we're going, but the feeling that I had in 2016 and 2017, especially was without understanding that deeper sense of like who I am without working through these old things, yeah. like I'm absolutely not going to be able to keep making music. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't, I was pretty unplugged. This is like a horrifying to admit, but like from like world events, I was in like this bubble of like my, my life yeah. wasn't working. I was really in the upside down. And so I, I was, I think it's fine. And I was, yeah. When you're, in, when you're in your own personal crisis, the global crisis just, it's, yeah, it's which is part thing. of what I think is like important is like as we can work through our own patterns that are causing our if if our own personal crises are like if we can trace them to our own patterns as adults, yeah. if it's like something that we can work out, I think we can contribute to the world in a way that is like yeah. holistic and real, like yeah. as part of it, as part of like this world as like a big living, breathing yeah. thing. Yeah, because I don't. I don't see how we move forward as people without understanding how to stop being in our trauma responses and how can we show up for people who need us if we're in our parents' basements with a car we haven't registered because it feels it's too scary, too intense to move forward in your life. Like that's not helping anyone, (laughs) you know, it's just not. And it's, that's not, I don't say that to like, shame that version of myself because I absolutely was doing everything I could with what I had. And that's how I look when I look at someone else, no matter what, at this point, my goal is to only see people as human first and to, to practice coming back to that place of like self with the capital S, which is like compassionate curiosity of, of like, how can I, how can I be a space of love? Yeah. And yeah. And that's just the practice right now. And, and I do feel like there is a place where that meets, you know, whatever it is that music ends up being, or at any point I am prepared to just pivot, pivot. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to be, a, become a master gardener last year. Like I, that's I genuinely amazing. don't have a strong attachment to like, to like needing to, I don't care if anyone ever knows my music. Yeah. I wouldn't still be doing it if people hadn't been listening to it for the last couple of years. Yeah. And if I didn't feel like it could be a positive contribution, I wouldn't still be trying to work it out. Yeah. And I just think like, I, I, I want to continue to have more language around how, if there's ever a way I can show up and say like for other people, like, Hey, here's what I did. Maybe this will be helpful for you. My gut feeling is that the best way I can do that is through songs. Yeah. Because I'm, as you can see, a very tangential person. Like I just kind of, am all over the place. And I don't mm. know that we need any more TED Talks at this point. Yeah. I just don't think we need any yeah. more people being the one. Yeah. I think like the info is out there, guys. Like yeah. uh, humans, like we have the info. Yeah. What are we practicing? Like, yeah. what are we doing? Who are we being? Who are we serving? Like, we are all here together. Like, that yeah. sounds like a really naive and like, you know, I, I young thing to say. Yeah. Like, but I really try to practice being there because... Because otherwise I'm in these like fight, flight, fawn, freeze responses. Yeah. Those yeah, are yeah, the yeah. options. It's like, am I present or not? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so into you. <laughs> Thanks, girl. Likewise. <laughs> I just love all those things. Yeah, I, I feel so the same way. I everything you said, I just it's 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 everything I talk about. Like anyone can li- anyone who has listened to many episodes and is hearing this conversation is just like, yeah, that's what Emily thinks too. Nice. <laughs> so I'm into it. Um, well, I think we've I think we've done it. Yeah, we've um, done you said say you wanted to do a deep dive. <laughs> I took that literally. I loved it. Um, is there anything else that you feel is like unsaid? Anything else you want to say to kind of uh no, anything else I'm just trying to put into songs. Well, if you want to do like, like another another say. talk in a couple of years and talk more. Yes, let's I'm do that. Done. I would like it. A couple of years will be interesting. Um, I wonder what I what the world will be. We'll both have a new album out. Hopefully. Yes, yeah. hopefully. Um, okay, I always ask everybody at the end two questions. Number one, what's your dream collaboration? Oh, that's such a good one. Hmm. Dream collaboration. I mean... Oh, that's too hard. I like want to collaborate with you now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's do do it. it. Uh, My dream collaboration is literally just putting songs out and then letting people make projects around them. I love it. Genuinely, like just the idea of someone making something that helps them see that they can make things. Yeah. That's my dream collaboration. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then I and then finally, where can we find you? um spotify and youtube if you want to see some videos from like 2018 and earlier because i haven't been doing it um uh, instagram kind of i don't post on social media much but those are probably the places that i will reemerge. okay in the next year what's um what's this so on spotify stephanie is spelled the normal way and maybe is m-a-b-e-y yes yeah and stephanie with a ph like classic 80s P-H-A-N-I-E. Like Full House. Yeah. No offense <laughs> to any of the uh, Stephanie's with alternate spellings. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way about Emily. It's like, I don't feel the need to say, like, you know, when I say like the normal way, I don't mean it like an insult, but just like the way that, the way oh, that it's been spelled for hundreds of years, you know? <laughs> you know what I bet I feel the same way because Emily is also spelled all kinds it's of ways true. now. Yeah. And I could spell it or I could just be like, like Emily Dickinson, like the old version. Yeah. Like the one. The olden times yeah. Stephanie is what we're talking about. <laughs> the reg- like the regular default yeah. one. <laughs> That's funny. That's the one that I have. That's funny. Um, well, Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank what you. This has been joy. such a fun conversation. I have loved it so thoroughly. Thank you for thank you. um for rolling with me into the tangent town because I've very much appreciated it. You are a wonderful thank interviewer you. slash human. Thank you. I love people and I love like the presence thing. Like I'm into it too. So I like, I'm here with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.